On today's episode of the Drive-In Podcast, we have the Express Checkup with yours truly, Dr. O. We have our highly anticipated review of No Time to Die, the final chapter in the Daniel Craig era of the James Bond franchise. Then we have our top billing of the entire franchise, James Bond. So use the bathroom now, grab that popcorn, and enjoy the 58th episode of the Drive-In Podcast. Take one. Bada bing, bada boom. Episode 58 of the Drive-In Podcast is here. This is Dr. O, and I'm joined by Ricky Flix. Nez will be on a hiatus for this episode. Ricky Flix, how are you doing this fine evening? Doing well. And uh, som- a little somber tone here, but no spoilers for Bond. But the final movie for Daniel Craig definitely got me in my feels a bit. Had me thinking about him a lot this weekend. That's all I'll say for now. How about yourself, Dr. O? Are you doing better than me? Yeah, I'm doing, I'm doing, I think I'm doing just fine. You know, Daniel Craig, his time has come, right? I can't wait to get to the draft today when we have to pick between him and Sean Connery for the best bond. I'm sure we'll spark some interesting conversation. We might be on different wavelengths, all right, for who the greatest bond is. I guess you'll just have to, the audience will have to uh, listen on in later in the podcast when we have that draft. But Ricky Flex, I want to talk about what's going on in Twitter lately. We're getting a lot of uh we're getting a lot of Timothy Chalamet news, Willy Wonka news, right? Prequel Willy Wonka. We're getting a lot of quotes from Timothy Chalamet. Today he was on uh, there was a set video of him singing, right? Going on his merry way, looking like we're getting almost a more jovial type of prequel than we were maybe anticipating. But he also came out with a quote a couple of days ago. And I want to get some thoughts from you, Ricky Flex. Timothy Chalamet said he got advice from one of his heroes that he should do two things with his career. Never be in a superhero movie and never take hard drugs. I want you, Ricky Flex, to tell me which actor told him to do this or Leonardo, not to. Leonardo DiCaprio has to be. So you think Leo's the one who put his arm over the shoulder and said, kid, at the Oscar party, hey, I got two things two things for you. No superhero movies, no hard drugs. Do you think Leo said that? Without a doubt. Really? Yeah. It makes too much sense. It makes too much sense. Um, Leo, the, the one time that there were rumors about him potentially being a superhero was being the Joker in a separate spinoff and more of a, like, who they won an Oscar, for God's sakes. So, I think that's like the closest and he still didn't do it. I'm going to go with that one. There was talks that he was going to be Spider-Man until he was going for the role of Tobey Maguire. There was roles. That was early. Was going, there was, there was, there was rumors that he was going to be in revenge of the Sith. Right. And the, the prequel series for star Wars as Anakin Skywalker. I think early. That was early. Personally, personally I think Leo's the most obvious answer, but I don't think it was him. You know Why? I, I imagine the relationship between Chalamet and DiCaprio are similar to a LeBron and an MJ. DiCaprio doesn't want anything to do with Chalamet. He thinks oh, he, come he, on. He, look, he looks at him as a threat. He's like, Is you it, are, you, you think you're me. You're not me. 
That's no not way. the relationship, I bet. I, I don't see, see that. So I think it was actually, I can see like a Brad Pitt, like actually saying this to him. Because Brad Pitt, never been in a superhero movie either. The closest thing we could say is probably World War Z. And then going beyond that, we know Brad Pitt, big weed guy, huge weed guy, right? Yeah. Not a hard, not well, a hardcore drug guy. Well, Leo, 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 I don't know what he's into. Like he, vaping. Know, he's a vapor. He's a vapor, but like he's back not. in his heyday, what, what was he up to? Who knows? Well, did you, do we even watch Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? I, I can't, I can't discount Brad Pitt. That was too good of an acting job. That was too good. Oh, with the, with the cigarette there, the lace cigarette. Yeah. No, I, yeah. it has to be Leo. Like, Brad Pitt, like, I know he just got an, an Oscar. I'm not discounting that. I'm not discounting Brad Pitt. But, like, you, you've seen images of a Timothy Chalamet and a Leo together. Has there been one with Brad Pitt? I don't remember seeing one with Brad there, Pitt. There has been pictures of, like, Chalamet. Oh, they did Don't Look Up. Yeah. I guess they've shared scenes. But And uh, why would he be saying this now? Like, the movie's coming soon. Like, he's about to be in Dune. He's, he's probably saying, yeah, this is the closest thing you'll ever see me doing a superhero bit here. Like, I think yeah. this makes too much sense with Leo, like, under his wing right now. Don't look up. Yeah. Interesting. No, sorry, he's under Leo's wing. Sorry. Sorry. I'm clarifying that. He's under Leo's wing. Yes, thank clarifying. you for clarifying that. Put some respect on his name. All right. Well, I just thought it was interesting because I, I, I kind of view from afar that we have, like, a little LeBron MJ action going but, on here. But do you not like that? Do you not like that he's not going to do a superhero movie? I personally love it. I love it too because it seems like every Hollywood actor that hits it big is looking to hit that huge paycheck. You know, it's right. just it seems like it's like what people are working towards in their career rather like it's like an attainable goal. Like it's something like, hey, I've hit the pinnacle. I'm in a superhero movie. Your pinnacle should be like, hey, I've won this many Oscars. Right. I've I, like, I've gained this reputation as this good of an actor rather than I've made X amount of money. Right? Are know? we are we doing? If you're gonna do another analogy to MJ LeBron, are we gonna be doing all right? I rather have the most championships or the most like contract uh, money box office numbers. Yeah. Box office numbers, like most amount of money I've made, like over the uh, stretch of your career. Right. So like you got to go championships or bust here. (laughs) I like how I like, did you you not like that analogy though? Do you think I thought that was outside the box? That is outside the box. I just don't see Hollywood ever being a committed. I wish it was. I wish it was like that. That would be interesting. Like people don't really, it's it's like how Elvis Presley used to root against the Beatles. And like whenever he said the Beatles would do well, throw something at the TV. The Beach Boys hated the Beatles. Like I wish it was more like that, more competitive. And you see that in musicians now, they're more collaborating and trying to promote each other which hey you know what sure but it's people like us i want to see a mean streak i want to see a competitive atmosphere that's how i think you'll get the best out of people not collaborating by competitive and trying to be better <laughs> than them and being number one and getting the most championships yeah and now, now we got leo and chalamet teaming up oh my gosh that we we got we got lebron we got lebron and d wade oh we got lebron and d well, wade all right fine i'll say this i think the <laughs> lebron analogy is early yeah no it's early, early. it's early it's early he's got yeah. there's all there's a long career in acting. There's a yes. Every actor and Leo's far from done. Leo's far from done. Far from done. All right. So with that being said, Ricky Flex, Chalamet, huge in the news right now. But I think we should get to the checkup, huh? We have seen Tim. I will say the driving podcast has seen Timothy Chalamet firsthand. Yes, Ricky Flex has to be more specific. Yes, Tribeca. He's doing well for himself. He doesn't need the box office money uh, from a superhero film. All right, Ricky Flex. Let's check the audiences up. Will Poulter has been cast as Adam Warlock in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. 
Rajay Jean Page and George Mackay were in contention for the role of Warlock in this next edition of the Guardians of the Galaxy before Poulter eventually landed the role. Next up on the checkup, Josh O'Connor is in talks to star alongside Jennifer Lawrence in Paolo Sorrentino's Mob Girl. Next, there are several details that have been released about Marvel's Eternals, speaking of superhero movies. Producer Nate Moore says it is, quote, the first MCU movie that's really built around a romance as the central relationship. Moore also said, quote, it's never going to be the notebook. That's the goal is for it to be something that is the spine of the movie, end quote. Also, information about The Eternals. It is one of the longest MCU films with a runtime of over two hours and 30 minutes. Not to mention, Eternals will have two post-credit scenes. Wonder what those will be. Next up on the checkup, Bill Murray reveals that the title for Wes Anderson's next film following the French Dispatch is Asteroid City. The film's cast is loaded with names like Tom Hanks, Margot Robbie, Tilda Swinton, Scarlett Johansson, Adrian Brody, Jason Schwartzman, and Rupert Friend. Next, Tilda Swinton has been cast alongside Michael Fassbender for David Fincher's The Killer. David Fincher was weighing the possibility, possibility of reviving his World War Z sequel, for his next film, but instead he decided to develop The Killer starring Fassbender and Swinton. Next on the checkup, Jake Gyllenhaal is in talks to star in Guy Ritchie's next movie. Another big name. Next on the checkup, Killian Murphy has officially been cast in Christopher Nolan's, Christopher Nolan's Oppenheimer. The film will release on July 21st, 21st, excuse me, 2023 in theaters exclusively for at least 100 days. Next, Netflix is teasing a surprise from, you guessed it, David Fincher tomorrow when this podcast will be released. Will it be Mindhunter Season 3? And then finally on the checkup, we have Anthony Hopkins reuniting with the father director, Florian Zeller, for a role in the upcoming drama, The Son, starring Hugh Jackman and Laura Dern. Wow, holy triumvirate right there. The film has already wrapped production. That does it for the checkup this week, Ricky Flex. I think we got to start with Will Poulter, Guardians of the Galaxy 3. Massive casting, highly anticipated character that is set to make its debut in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Do you like the casting? Huge bombshell of news here. Massive news goes to you, Mr. Guardians of the Galaxy 3, holiday special in your top five most anticipated Disney projects. Something shocking I thought of, but now with Adam Warlock in the mix, honestly, it should be in everybody's top five going forward, probably. Hell yeah. I said it. But saying that, Will Poulter, this is a man, this is, remember the Black Mirror Bandersnatch when you're like picking your oh, own yeah. adventure? So hateable. What a terrible Black Mirror. And you know who I think of every time I think of that? Will Poulter. Will <laughs> Poulter. And you know what else I think of him in? Being a little, uh, I'm not going to say that word, annoyance. <laughs> The, the worst character in the Maze Runner. The absolute Bro, worst. We can't just take it for his worst, Ricky Flex. We hey, can't forget you, his Oscar-worthy work. Let me. Oscar-worthy work. I'm not done. I'm and not you know done. What? You know I'm what? not done. I'm not done. And can we not remember his most famous role? Getting his nuts bitten by a spider in Where <laughs> the Millers. Where so, the Millers. So, saying that. If this was anybody else besides a Guardians project, I would say, or a James Gunn Helmet project, I would say, I do not like this. But you know what? I put my hands in James Gunn's, I, I put my faith in James Gunn's hands. I do trust him. So I trust this pick, even though 
everything's telling me no, even though he has done, all right, I've only done like the, the preposterous work here. Like he has done some good work. Like he was in the revenue of very short, but like he, he was in uh, Detroit as like that cop with uh, the counterpart of John Boyega. And he did a good job there. I'm not saying he's a bad actor. I just think of him in those loudish, annoying roles, I guess is what I'm saying. So this is like his limelight. I can do more than that. And he's Adam Warlock, huge character in the MCU, in the comics, massive. So this is big, and I trust that, James Gunn. I think you might be different than me, so go ahead. It's interesting. I'm torn on this casting. I do like Will Poulter, and I like him more specifically. Specifically, excuse me, I have a hard time speaking today. I like him in a movie that you haven't even brought up. I loved his performance in The Revenant. I, that's where I knew and he was like starring alongside the likes of a Tom Hardy through a lot of his scenes. And I think he held his own. And I really think he was really good in that role. He's been building up to this major mm-hmm. starring role, this major performance, whether he was going to be in a superhero movie or not. Right. You talked about Detroit already. You, you could tell he already had the charisma from where the Millers. Yes. That's a goofy character, but you couldn't take your eyes off him. And it's not just because of his eyebrows. Right. right? It's and- not the only, it's not just because <laughs> of his eyebrows. And I don't know if they're going to touch upon those a little bit in guardians of the galaxy three. He kind of has a unique look to him. He does. He can rock some flow. Adam Warlock loves him. He's going to have flow. to, he's going to have to, but you know, George, when I saw the name, George McKay was up for this role and didn't get it. It saddened me. That's it's he, saddened. You're me. telling me Will Poulter, a man that beat <laughs> Will Poulter beat him for Adam Warlock. You're telling me that guy's going to be the next James Bond. No chance. I, but I think George McKay, they really missed out. That, that was a, that was a, I mean, he looks the part, he does. I, he has that presence. He's got. And he's that, already like, started a huge blockbuster movie. Yes. And I think what I was going to say here is that this is a typical casting uh, that you think of in the 2000s, where it's like an up and coming actor, not like up and coming actor, where he's proven himself to be a good actor in like supporting roles, not necessarily like the main gig, but like supporting roles. And he's going to use this to catapult himself, not like what we were just referencing with a Timothy Chalamet and like an Ethan Hawke or like all these actors coming back to do their superhero gig or using it just for a paycheck he's using it to catapult his career the actual right way to use superhero films yeah so this is like yes i could see this this makes sense as not the not like a peter quill but like an adam warlock it makes sense i just i it's just hard for me to go past what i've seen already but I, I trust James Gunn. And Marvel's pretty good at these castings, even when it's not like For early sure. on in the MCU, where it's like people that showed like they have promise, even like a Tom Holland playing Spider-Man. Like he wasn't necessarily like a lock where like this guy's going to be phenomenal in the role. He kind of earned his way to like people believing in him. And that's, I think what we're going to see from Will mm-hmm. Poulter, especially with the character like <clears throat> Adam Warlock that you would anticipate to make multiple appearances Definitely. down the line in this as like almost not the centerpiece as one of the centerpieces in the MCU, especially with that um, that cosmic type of world that James Gunn has kind of like elevated because mm-hmm. of the Guardians of the Galaxy movies. But and I, I can't get over George McKay. Like he would have been so good. He would. Yeah, been- I do agree. And his recent Wolf or whatever the heck that movie is, that doesn't help his case for future MCU projects or whatever. <laughs> it might have cost him. <laughs> but, but um, I will say this. I feel like this news is getting swept under the rug big time here. I feel like now like MCU, like... They're all their castings right now. Marshall Ali, two-time Oscar winner. Christian Bale, Oscar, uh, one time, right? One-time Oscar winner. Ethan oh, Hawke, Christian Bale. Christian two. Bale just won for the fighter, I think. Yeah, one. Yeah, one. Yep. Um, Oscar Isaac, Ethan Hawke, Catherine Hahn, 
Uh, Alfred Molina's back as Spider-Man. Spider-Man trailer is going on right now. Eternals is coming up. All this turtle news is coming out right now. This is just getting swept under the rug. This was really quick. I feel like this is bigger than what is being portrayed on the internet right now. And even though it's getting talked about a lot, I just don't think the importance of it is really being shown. And also, I think in part is because it's a Will Poulter and not necessarily all those acclaimed actors that I just spoke of. So I think that's that's kind of the reasoning why this isn't talked about, but let alone, this was a, this is a massive checkup. We have Dr. O massive. Yeah. And what's the first thing we're talking about? We're talking about Will Poulter because he's being cast as Adam Warlock. And I just don't think people are realizing how big of a character Adam Warlock is. So I, I just wanted to say that as well, even though I did, I was just making fun of Will Poulter. I will say this is massive. Uh, uh, now, and we're still in the MCU and like, you're right. We're bringing up names like George McKay, but even more like prestigious actors like Tilda Swinton, Michael Fassbender, Jake Gyllenhaal, Killian Murphy. And the first thing we start off is Will Poulter shows like the driving force that is the MCU and how they basically set the industry now. It's like it's like they dominate the news. They dominate the headlines, which is why I love Charlemagne sticking to the non superheroes. Yeah, to diversify, and he can, he can draw a headline no matter what he does. Like he doesn't need the MCU to like catapult his stock. It's right. already where it is, you know. Yes. But moving up, moving on. Excuse me. With MCU news, a lot of Eternals details that are dropping right now. So Eternals, two and a half hour movie, kind of expected because it, it's kind of being sig- like signified as a, a very important movie for the future of the MCU. It's introducing so many different characters. It's got a loaded cast and then it's got Chloe Zhao. And you could tell there's going to be some moments where they're going to be really exploring the cinematography of this movie. They're doing a lot of explaining, I would say, for the Eternals and where they fit in the MCU and why have they haven't been around. So I'm not shocked by that runtime. Two post-credit scenes. I'm not that excited for the post-credit scenes because I think we're going to find out more in the movie. And I think both of the post-credits will be related, similar to um, uh, like a Shang-Chi who had two post-credits that were both related to the story itself for the most part. Uh, well, mm-hmm. that was mainly one, one, one forward looking one, for but they were both in it. Like I would say Shang-Chi was in both uh, post-credit scenes. I'm anticipating uh, maybe a preview of Kit Harrington's uh, uh, Black Knight. I believe that's the character's name. Mm-hmm. Black mm-hmm. Knight, Dane mm-hmm. Whitman. He looks like that. There's going to be like a little bit of a love triangle. It kind of connects what Nate Moore is saying uh, about this story, how it's going to rely on Icarus and Cersei, how they were together for so long. Now it looks like Kit Harrington is going to be a part of that love triangle entangled with his former uh, stepbrother, right? With, uh, uh, J- uh, sorry, excuse me, uh, Rob Stark. John's known Rob Stark. Yes, sir, Richard Madden. So uh, it's going to be fascinating to see that dynamic. And I hope we get uh, plenty of scenes or a couple scenes, I should say, with those two characters. Three, I should say. Yeah, hopefully we get more. I'm afraid we're not going to get a lot. Maybe we just like one at the end or in the post credit scene, maybe. I'm a little nervous for that. Another thing that I thought was interesting is that some of the details, I don't, I don't, I forget if you said this in the checkup, but flashback versus present day. There's going to be more going backwards. Like oh yeah learning about the eternals then present day like i think they said 60 or 70 percent of the movie is going to be a flashback that's shocking did, did they say that i had no idea they said they, that. they said uh, fact check me while i'm while i'm going on this rant here mm-hmm. um but yeah they, they said something to that regard maybe i'm just make maybe i'm exaggerating but they said something like that so with a two and a half hour runtime that sounds like a lot of exposition to get through Hopefully, like obviously the action sequences look amazing and it looks phenomenal. Like this looks like you have to see it in IMAX or you just don't shouldn't see it at all. Go see it. But this is gonna look amazing, but I'm worried about all the exposition 
elements with this movie for sure. But two post-credit scenes. One of them, I do agree with you, it could be Kit Harrington, or it could be like how they relate to the rest of the MCU, because it doesn't look like there's any other um there's any other cameos from the MCU in this movie, and that makes sense since they're separate. They weren't a part of the Avengers, but they were there uh, for an Endgame and Infinity War and when all that happened. But what could another post-credit scene be? Young Thanos. Young yeah. Thanos post-credit scene? Because this one looks like it's just focusing on the elements that they, uh, the, the uh, villains from Earth that they are protecting and like whatever is going to happen there, which is obviously not Thanos. Do we see a post-credit scene with a young Thanos? That could be potential. That'd be cool, but like I don't, I don't think they'll do that because we just had this whole era with Thanos. I think there'll be a callback to him in the movie. Like I think they'll, they might even show him in a flashback. But there's mm-hmm. no way they'll do a post credit where they're teasing like young Thanos and like returning, well, maybe to come in like with this Kang the Conqueror type of situation where like another Thanos is like introduced. Well, what to would the you MCU. rather see? Would you rather see a post credit scene with a young Thanos or a flashback? Flashback. Of... Really. 100% hmm. just because I, like a post credit is teasing like the future of the MCU. What okay. is to come? You know? So, okay. So if you're saying that this is what I'm picturing, I'm thinking a dark side Snyder cut flashback with a young <laughs> Thanos. That's what I'm thinking. That would be awesome. And would oh my, that, now I'm just, that would be, that would make the movie. That would yeah. be insane. That'd be the highlight. Yeah. I, I, I could see something in the past. Like, I don't even know. Like, well, I, I think they will show Thanos. Like, I think that wow. they want to show some connectivity to right. They have to, uh, the they other have to MCU. Show it. Yeah. Yeah. And like, and, and he has these relationships with the Celestials. Uh, it's been teased by Chloe Zhao and the team that have like made Eternals. And he, he's a core part of the story in the comic book. You so can't like, tell the story of the Eternals without him. So right. they have, to, if they're going to do all this exposition work, flashbacks and everything like that, you got to at least mention them and show them big time. Uh, so I think that really does it for the Marvel portion of this checkup. But where should we go next, Ricky Flex? I think we have to talk about our boy Fincher, David Fincher, coming off Netflix's Mank. He is making the killer with Michael Fassbender and Tilda Swinton. I think a great pair of actors to put to put with David Fincher fits that like dark edge vibe that thriller aspect and Michael Fassbender, I think is absolutely going to murder this role, but I even want to like emphasize Netflix teasing an announcement tomorrow, Netflix and David Fincher. They kind of had a rocky relationship. Uh, Mindhunter season two, uh, season three was put on hold. They didn't know if it was ever going to happen again. It looked like it would never exist or come to exist, but maybe after the, the uh, uh, critical, the critical success of Mank and with all that, Mank has brought to Netflix. Maybe they're going to cut Fincher a bone here and put some uh, put some money towards Mindhunter season three. Is that ha- is that's got to be what it is, right, Netflix? That's what I tweeted today. I think it has to be. Like they just announced Tilda Swinton, like you mentioned. <laughs> like it's either that or why would you bring up World War Z, talking about the possibility of reviving that with a Brad Pitt, and then bringing that back? So that's the only other thing I would see where they just bring that up to kind of tease this announcement. Um, if it's a brand new announcement, that's just a lot of work for Fincher to be dealing with at this time. Like something already in concrete, like a Mindhunter 3, something he's already thought about, the possibility of the World War Z and the killer to go alongside that. Like that would just be a lot of work to tack on a brand new project to announce. I really just think it's going to be Mindhunter 3 
or a World War Z, but I think that's even kind of crazy to say. So I'm confused about the World War Z thing. David Finch did not direct the original World no, War Z. But he Why was, does he? So did he produce it or something? Uh, I don't think he produced it. Did he? What's, I, I just what's thought, his passion towards it. Um, it's a great question. Like, I, what's his connection other than Brad Pitt to World War Z? He just loves the story. I guess. I think like, he just loves it. it yeah. The movie calls for a sequel, so I think mean, he wants to step in and do like a like a blockbuster sequel to World War Z. That kind of seems crazy yeah. to me. I know, uh, like like the killer is much more his vibe. Yeah, much more. And I think that the only other possibility that I saw on the internet today, which I still think you can't do yet because the story is just not done, and there's just so much more that needs to happen for a second one, in my opinion. Even though, like for a movie, what I'm saying, The Social Network. A lot of people were calling like, oh, is this a social network? Too? Yeah, you're going to put that on the table? I'm right just now? saying. What? Like, you're going to put that on the table, especially with going on Facebook news right now? Oh, my God. Right, can I, I'll give you another one. Zodiac 2. Like a lot. Of, oh, like, my God. <laughs> Zodiac news <laughs> just came out. Put a muzzle on Ricky Foots <laughs> right now. Someone stop him. Someone I'm stop him. I'm just saying. It makes sense. It Zodiac does. 2. Zodiac just had news of the killer. Uh Obviously, the killer news here with Tilda Swinton, maybe announcing a franchise with that. I doubt it though, because it's based off a book. I, I, I was, I was thinking like, I was thinking maybe like we do. He he signed like a six picture deal with Netflix. Oh Did come already, on, no like, way. No, but uh, I would think Mindhunter season three is the top on the list, and it's yes. like a six picture deal. I like nowhere in my mind did it cross that we would. Put- potentially have social network two or zodiac two dude now they, that you said it you've you've got you've you've gone off the deep end well you, now if it doesn't happen we disappointed no i i think the anticipation like why would they tease an announcement with david fincher they with just saying oh he has signed a six picture deal he's already doing netflix movies and shows and like yeah. there's no way i think he does he already have a freaking uh i think he might net, have already had a deal. yes i yeah. so it can't be that anyways um, I'm going to look this up real quick while I'm talking real quick. I'm looking. Okay, good. So I'll just finish my thought here. The anticipation online is much more than that. And four year deal. Yeah. So he still has two more to go after the killer. So maybe it's just an announcement of his next project, which is a sequel to one of his prior movies. And if not that. World War Z, he just talked about it this week. That's another possibility. All right. I'm just saying. Okay, Ricky Flex, uh, that's a clip I'm putting out immediately <laughs> once we stop recording. Just, this is huge that you said that. I can't believe you went there. All right. I'm a Fincher guy. I, just, I know. I want to see it too. I want to see it too. Social Network 2, I think, definitely has legs. Anything that has with, legs. At this yeah. rate, we're going to have three. We're going to have three Social Network, network movies. But uh, we just got to get Zuckerberg back. Beat we need Jesse me. Eisenberg back in the limelight. I You're don't ta- mind that idea. Like, Get him back. Get him back. Get him the Oscar he deserves. Yes, like if Jesse, I Jesse Eisenberg, like if we're just looking at him, like obviously after Social Network, things haven't gone according to plan. I would say after that, like I think that was supposed to catapult into like a, like he's gonna be an Oscar contender consistently. But then after that, he just did like thirty minutes or less. Or uh, what else did he do? He did now you see me movies. He did Vivarium, Zombieland, Double Tap. So he did his. He did a Zombieland sequel, the self defense movie. Yes, the art of self defense that came out twenty nineteen. Self defense, yeah. Um, and he and he did Lex Luthor, obviously, and that obviously did not pan out. He was in a few Woody Allen movies, you know. And he's obviously canceled, so it just makes sense. Like he would say yes. Yeah. How could he not? How could the person I'm worried about saying yes? The person I'm worried about saying yes. 
Andrew Garfield. I don't even know if you need him in this movie. Oh yeah, but he was so good. Yeah, but I don't. Even, I don't. I honestly yeah, you're right. You wouldn't need him. You wouldn't need him. No, and you wouldn't need Justin Timberlake and his schedule. I'm gonna like, have it makes a, sense. I'm gonna have a blog of a. I did. I I have a blog in the drafts from literally a year ago casting uh, the Social Network too. I'm gonna have to publish that after yeah. I put out that clip tomorrow. Um. Also, just want to talk about Jake Gyllenhaal working with Guy Ritchie. I kind of like what Gyllenhaal is doing right now. He's exploring different directors, which is great. We talked about Fincher. He's worked with Fincher before, but most recently we just saw him work with Antoine Fuqua, right? Which is a heralded director. Uh, mm-hmm. Obviously, think about Training Day, but we got him uh, with Guy Ritchie this time. Guy Ritchie has been like, has he's had mild success recently? Yes, he did like the Aladdin movie. He had mild success with The Gentleman, but maybe this this duo can strike gold. Uh, I know uh, Guy Ritchie. I, I'm a fan of his work, his fast paced work, quick cuts, and uh, I think that Jake Gyllenhaal, it's kind of like a different flavor for him. So I, I think he can handle anything as long as he's in the starring role. I have total faith in it. Yeah, I. I it's interesting you said that because I was going to do the opposite here. I, I was going to say. You don't like it. No. So I think what Jake Gyllenhaal is doing, I don't. Yeah, I don't particularly love it because this is a man who's been nominated for an Oscar. I should have already won one. Should have been nominated for more easily looking at you, Nightcrawler, 2017 or 2018 Oscars. Should have at least been nominated. You're kidding me there. But now he's working with action directors nonstop. Anton Fuqua here. He's working um, post-production already with Ambulance, the Michael Bay production. I don't like that. I don't like that like, as much. That's com- that's different. That's, that might be his next movie. Nightcrawler is 2014. 20, oh, God, that was wow. so long ago. Yeah, I, so I said 2017, 2018, Dr. Yeah. O. That's his last time, really. Like, what was... Like that was his last time he called for an Oscar nom. Nocturnal Animals wasn't really his call, and that was in 2016. I know that's got to be right. Like he was good, but that wasn't his movie for an Oscar, right? Tom like, Ford that was directed more... too. Tom, yes, exactly. He's got to be. He's got to be working back with like, like acclaimed directors, drama directors, and you could see that with Oscar Isaac in the Francis and the Godfather role. That hasn't started production yet, oh, but that, that one, has, might, that's it. That's bro. a Barry Levinson movie, but that's him not coming out for a couple of years. So Oscar we could Isaac. go through, we could go through like a couple of years with Jake Gyllenhaal doing these movies where they're good, like the guilty good, but they're nowhere. Like they're just I, I like for he, the money or just get some views on Netflix. They're think, not for I, like I an he, Oscar, which we should be accustomed to him seeing. Sorry, go I, ahead. I think he's just trying to get a little creative. You know, it's like not a terrible thing. These aren't bad directors. Like no. they maybe like like sometimes they're hit or miss. I would say like Guy Ritchie sometimes a hit or miss. Antoine Fuqua certainly hit or miss. But like he's past the days that where he was as Guy I said R- before yeah. Fincher. Then he was like Ang Lee with Brokeback Mountain. We need to see him. Denny Villeneuve. the wave. Denny Villeneuve. the wave. Prisoners. Prisoners. And then obviously another should have been Oscar now probably. Yeah. The Hugh crazy. Jackman element. Loki. D- uh, Detective Loki there. The uh, most underrated Loki in the history of cinema. Um, yeah, so I thought that was interesting. And then, then obviously, let's talk about another leading man. Uh, it looks like he will be the leading man. It's not really confirmed, but uh, Killian Murphy will st- uh, be uh, have a starring role in Christopher Nolan's Your James Bond. My James Bond, as unlikely as it seems. They can DA, they don't even need to DH him. He looks like he's 30 years old anyway. But uh, I hope he has the lead role in this Nolan movie. It didn't say he will be playing Oppenheimer. Um, it just said he'll be starring. So I just, I assume this cast will, we'll get more news about it. Uh, I guess sooner rather than later, if we already have Killian Murphy news and I know Universal's going to, going to want to get going on this. Definitely. I bet Nolan well, is too. So he's probably itching to get going. He needs to get out of the limelight for the wrong reasons. How I, I just got to know how old Oppenheimer was like, how old was Oppenheimer? We developed the bomb. 
you look that up while I'll yeah. do a little rant here. So this movie's not coming out to 2023. Like I just mentioned with Nolan, he's he needs to get a movie out ASAP. There's just been too much talk since Tenet about just him, his quarrels with studios, his, his demands when he was looking for a new studio. He really needs a new movie out. Killian Murphy, this is going to be a great start for him. I think he will be this lead, if not one of the leads, like a Leo and De Niro in Killers of the Flower Moon. Like they're the side supporting characters to a Jesse Plemons. That's the worst case scenario for Killian Murphy. Killian Murphy, this is the perfect timing for him, on the other hand, because Peaky Blinders will be coming out in 2023. I think we, that we announced uh, last week on, on the, or no, I was on the checkup last week. We announced that uh, that filming will start after the Peaky Blinders season ends in 2022. That's going to be big, and that's going to be perfect for him to get out of the Peaky Blinders limelight, to get into Oppenheimer and his future endeavors going after Peaky Blinders. This will be perfect for him. I, I just pulled up an image of him. He looks like he like it looks like Kelly Murphy's going to play this dude. Perfection. Yes, literally looks like he's going to play this dude. Uh, and he was forty-one when he developed the bomb. Like he's okay, perfect. perfect. Like, Kelly, forty-five. This is gonna be forty-four. Like, this Killian's is gonna, forty-four. This is going to be Kelly Murphy. Like yeah. he's gonna do this. This is huge. This is massive. I'm I'm hyped now. I'm absolutely hyped. Hype train engaged. All aboard. Uh, so Ricky Flex. Uh, that's I, I think that's all we need to go into the checkup this week. I know it's a stack lineup, but I also want to get into one of these trailers here. We have a okay. trailer roundup, nice and brief here. We had two pictures that have a uh, trailer this week. Paramount Pictures has just released their terrifying trailer for Scream. Synopsis has been painfully vague, simply saying the story will follow a woman returning to her hometown to try to find out who has been committing a series of vicious crimes. Scream is scheduled to be released on January 14th, 2022. And then we had a home sweet home alone trailer rebooting the Christmas classic home alone on Disney plus this holiday season. They're calling it a reboot according to this headline, but that we could be seeing something different here. The Disney plus official synopsis reads Max Mercer is a mischievous and resourceful young boy who's been left behind while his family is in Japan for the holidays. So when a married couple attempting to retrieve a priceless heirloom, set their sights on the Mercer family's home it is up to Max to protect it from the trespassers. And he will do whatever it takes to keep them out. Hilarious hijinks of epic proportions ensue, but despite the absolute chaos, Max comes to realize that there really is no place like home sweet home. Home Sweet Home Alone will debut November 12, 2021 on Disney+. Plus. Ricky Flex, we got to talk about this Home Alone re- uh, reboot, sequel, mm-hmm. whatever you want to call it. Are you yeah. in or out? Out, officially. Um, officially out. I thought Ellie Kemper was canceled. I thought when we did our office draft, and I mentioned her as an as a honorable mention, um, I thought she was canceled for like racist remarks. People, people just forgot about that. I guess they did because she's starring in this movie as one of the robbers, right? So like, obviously people forgot. Um, moving the on. listeners are probably wondering what we're saying. I don't even want to bring it up. I'm just, I don't want to, I don't want to be the one to cancel her. Look it up. She's canceled, but I guess she's not anymore. Whatever. People forget about it. Um, then Jojo Rabbit guy, we're going English with Home Alone. I kind of like that. But then again, we're just recycling the same old Home Alone stuff. Home Alone one specifically. Not my forte here. Um, uh, but this could be big for him as a child actor to get some box office buzz for himself, not because he wasn't in the lead in Jojo Rabbit, but kind of was a scene stealer there. So maybe for him to get the lead, home alone reboot, big for him. Yeah. So I'm happy for that kid when I saw him. Yeah. Uh, and, and uh now he got his, he's getting a shot here. Uh, and I love myself some Rob Delaney. I was gonna <laughs> I say some... we see uh we see our boy Peter. Yes. Our boy, or, or yes, our boy Peter. I yes, I, I had to think about it for a second, but um <laughs> 
The, yeah, so like you knew, I, 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 where was the, where happened to the idea where Ryan Reynolds was gonna star in like a stoned alone, like, like weed movie about Home Alone? When remember that story? Wasn't yeah, that, is that in the works still? I don't know if that was concrete. I thought uh, that was just maybe a rumor. Oh, but. I thought that would that would have been a nice twist on it. Maybe yeah, you know Disney was not gonna follow through on that idea, but mm-hmm. Buzz making, uh, right. making a return. He's as a police officer, Buzz McAllister, probably the worst cop. Same of all actor, time. yes. He's going to be a terrible cop. You are, yeah. It's already lined up. You can just tell by the facial expression there. But you got some continuity from the original um, movies, and it makes you wonder: Are we going to see Macaulay Culkin? I feel like there will be one at the end or something, I, or I think post credit scene. And yeah, neighbor, I, neighbor, Ooh, neighbor. He's going to be, be the, the new neighbor. neighbor. Yes. <laughs> Dr. O. And then at the end, he's going to yes. help with the hijinks to try and take down and he's gonna, Ellie Kemper and, and Rob Dyer. And he's going to work with his brother or his brother's going to be there. He's the cop. And he's going to talk to the cop saying, oh, this boy, like, this is literally Bail the same thing out. as me. And then they're going to be like friendship, like brotherhood and together. There's going to be a sequel with Macaulay Culkin yes. and the kid. And then all of a sudden, and Macaulay Culkin are we talking? Back. Are we talking Culkin Sons? Col- <laughs> what are, are we talking McCallisons? Whatever you say it. Let's bring him back. Let's bring him. Remember when he was getting fan cast as a joker? You remember that? Tough. That, that wasn't a good, that wasn't for good reasons. Yeah. Um, but um, I actually do want to say something about the scream uh, real quick. This yeah. just reminds me of Halloween kills that's going on right now. Like straight to streaming here, I think, with Paramount Plus. I know it's scheduled to be released in theaters, but like this just doesn't Who cares. Like, yeah, exactly. This just seems like because Halloween Kill is going straight to Peacock. This one's going straight to Paramount Plus or at least a dual release. Like, uh, almost if they were smart about it, they would do that. You're bringing cast members back at David Arquette, a Courtney Cox, Neville Campbell. Might as well just do a dual release. Help you help your case here. Yeah, agreed. Um, I have no desire whatsoever. I didn't yeah. really like the original personally. Um, I just I, I have no desire to see those actors return <laughs> at all. Yeah. All right. Uh, so that does it for the trailer roundup this week. Uh, let's move on to No Time to Die. time to die last entry in the daniel craig era of the james bond franchise we're gonna give you the synopsis we'll give you the rotten tomatoes we'll give you the imdb then we'll dive in so we're gonna do spoiler free and spoiler okay for this review is necessary there are decisions made you can assume based on daniel craig's last adding of james bond that needs to be discussed so the synopsis reads James Bond is enjoying a tranquil life in Jamaica after leaving active service. However, his peace is short-lived as his old CIA friend, Felix Leiter, shows up and asks for help. The mission is to rescue a kidnapped scientist, turns out to be far more treacherous than expected, leading Bond on the trail of a mysterious villain 
who's armed with the dangerous new technology. So on Rotten Tomatoes, No Time to Die currently has a 84%. It has 7.6 out of 10 on IMDb. Ricky Flex, this is your bond. I think among a lot of other audience members, their bond as well. They grew up with this bond. He uh, has totally made the character his own. It is now the longest running bond of all time. For those who didn't know, spanning five movies with Daniel Craig. 15 years. So 15 years, five movies. We had the longest stretch of a uh, between Bond movies with 2015 Spectre and 2021's No Time to Die, which is a shocking stat. That is the longest stretch without a James Bond movie. Six years. That's I like I literally didn't believe when I saw that. So Ricky Flex, what were your expectations going in? Did you think it was going to outdo, let's say, a Skyfall or a Casino Royale? Do you think it had a chance? So I think it had a no chance of um, surpassing Skyfall or Casino Royale. But I did have expectations that it would be the third best. And I did have expectations that it would be like not. I think those two are just in a separate tier. And then this one should headline because Quantum of Solace, in my opinion, was trash. That's a teaser for the next segment we got in the draft. But I will not be picking that for best Bond films. I think that movie's terrible. And Spectre, I did a rewatch of it last week. Not as bad as I thought. Hey, the Batista. Last, the last hour wasn't great, but the first hour I thought was actually really good. Um, I, I actually did, and Dave Batista was good in it. I do think that one has some issues, but won't get into those now. So I did have high expectations for No Time to Die, but not huge out of this world like a Skyfall Casino Royale. Yes, I think because personally, like those two are like, I, I wouldn't be shocked that those two are drafted in our James Bond draft. And that's just two Daniel Craig movies. I'm not going to say they are going to be drafted. I might have a trick or two up my sleeve, but it was hard to imagine that this movie would outdo it. Although all the promos, the push releases, they did all they can to hype it up that it was going to be. And whether that, whether that included a new 007 with Lashana Lynch, whether that was Ana de Armas, whether that was Rami Malek, an Oscar winner, stepping into right a scary, very much James Bond-esque role with the mask, right? And then we find out his uh, motive, not his motives, but like his, uh, the weaponry he's using in the movie, very James Bond type. It just felt like it was right up like James Bond's alley. It, they did. They did try to alter it a bit, right? Like this wasn't like a, yes, a yes. nuke or something Mo- like, like that. Like the motive like, ways. I don't know. But it's just like also spreading similar, around yeah. the world, you know, it still has yeah, that aspect. Still this, yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah. As like, he's like this poison, like uh, I, a distributor. Like I guess a, what I'm like saying a, is the technology behind it and throughout the film with it, the connection to the final world spreader, like that was different. And interesting. I did. I did like that. Yeah. Uh, kind of actually po- poison merchant. Uh, that's what I'll call yeah, it. Poison merchant. Yeah. I, I'll, I'll step back a bit. So I guess I was... where I want to start here, Ricky flex, we've talked about like how, where this stands within the Craig franchise a little bit, but how do you think it did with like those bond, those bond isms? Like when I'm saying like uh, the bond song, the recurring characters like Felix and the bond girls, uh, the cars, gadgets. How do you think it did in terms of that aspect? Do you think it was uh, more successful than other Craig movies? Do you think it was trying to like veer off into a different sector and like like kind of like widen like this world? Or what do you think they did in terms of uh, the Bondisms? I think that for the Bondisms, you have your checklist, right? Like yeah. first on it is like, is he? How's he look? I think Daniel Craig, 
continues. He has the grizzly grunt bond, but also he can still pull up the suave. You saw that here. Check. You had Q in the movie. That's all you really needed. Because I know that was a big thing for um, Casino Royale. Um, no and Q. Quantum Assaults because uh, Daniel Craig hated that there was no Q. He's in it. So check on that. Bond girl. This is where the first one starts. Okay. We went. The, this is where this is a big issue for me. Because what do you think of James Bond? You're thinking of this checklist, right? The Bond girl. We have a. a yes, you have Ana de Armas in this movie. Can you even consider her the Bond girl in this? No, she's yes. not. Is she? She's in it for less than 15 minutes. Ricky, so this is she's where phenomenal. I, this is she's where I want phenomenal. to have a conversation. Scene stealer, but she's not the Bond girl in this. So she's, well, this, well, it's technically like you have a carryover Bond girl, which you never really had in any part of the James Bond franchise. But, but I want to just say, the lot of Bond girls in the previous films, I was I've like I haven't been able to watch all 27 films working up to this draft. That's like I don't have enough time for that. But there's a lot of Bond you. girls that have very limited screen time and they come and go within the movie, right? Where they're not there for a long time and they have very limited screen time. Although I will say, forget the Bondisms. You have Ana de Armas with an electrifying performance like she had, you need her in more of the movie. I'll say that it's but, it was ridiculous. But and in terms of the Bond isms, like there, like it does line up with some of these like Bond girls that only have like fifteen minutes of the screen. Yeah, I'm just going through my head a lot of Bond movies. I think the problem that I have with your argument is that they are the main Bond girl. If you're gonna go with that argument, they got to be the main Bond girl. She's not even the main one, so I don't think that's applicable here. And like well she is not, a bond girl she's not the bond girl but she is a bond girl there's like bond girls that like show up there's multiple bond girls in some, i think at like the James end of the day we're saying the same thing where we wanted to see more of her yeah we want to yeah. see more of her and the second thing i'm saying here is this is my only issue with the daniel craig movies where i have had some thoughts as into like he's my favorite bond because of this storyline i'm kind of like i like how they connected the movies they're not each one movie but then again at the end of the day i'm looking at this movie we still had Vesper as a as a storyline in this movie. And Vesper is only in Casino Royale. And she was the sole storyline in Quantum of Solace. She was still in it in Skyfall, but like not really. But she was back in Spectre. Like, but she is back again here. And it's like, are we relying on our Bond girls to be the driving force of James Bond in these stories? Like, I just don't want that in James Bond. Give me back to Sean Connery. Get me back to Roger Moore. There's a different one, every single one. And they're just there and they're like as in they're having an impact but like they're not the driving force of a franchise james bond is the driving force of the franchise and i think with this one I, I, now i'm gonna go on a rabbit hole but i'm gonna stop myself i'm just gonna say like if you're gonna have a driving force have it be the villain or an organization like specter which this franchise has messed Good. up big time. and and also like this the bond the main bond girl right in this one madeline like she has a connection to specter so it's like that makes sense but i didn't like how they went back to vesper I didn't why? like that. Like, I don't understand why they did because you you already have Bond with an emotional attachment to this Bond girl. Why are you bringing up something that happened back in 2006? Why was, are we doing this? I literally wrote... It just made no sense to do that, as you just said, because he already has this emotional weight from Madeline. Like, you know, this just makes no sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so we so we saw this movie on Thursday, uh, Thursday night, events, booking, whatever. And we saw uh, with my girlfriend at the time, shout out to Sarah, but... I think like one of the first things I said to her was like, 
because she asked me like how I liked it. And like, she's like, oh, specifically, what didn't you like about it? So I was like, we're still doing Vesper, huh? Like, we're still doing this. It, yeah. 15 years, longest tenure bond. We're still talking about something from the first bond that she was only in the first movie. And she had a dedicated movie to her and her like remembrance in the next one. Like, we didn't have to do this again. It felt like a tribute in a way to the previous Bond movies. Like where this is where I, some things I didn't like about this movie. Yes. It's like bringing some, it brings finality to Daniel Craig as the character, but it's also, it was like pulling stuff from like, it would like, it would throw in like James Bond license to kill. And then he was saying like, I looked at you after they said that in this movie, these other like type of like uh, tributes to James Bond that are just so like, it's just it's just so obvious this is like Daniel Craig's last movie. I wish it was a little bit more natural. And you could tell, like, oh, we got it. We almost have to include this. Let's push this. We need to include this. But on the other hand, they uh Fukunaga, Fukunawa, excuse me, Corey Fukunawa, I believe that's Corey. First American ever to direct a bond. So what they did, or he did during this movie, he also outweighed it with some like non-traditional aspects to a James Bond movie. Things like carryover characters from one Bond movie to the next. Like we talked about Madeline carrying over the emotional weight of a Vesper four movies ago to, right? No time to die. So I also made a comparison and I said, and I tweeted right after, sorry to talk about Twitter, but this almost had some Last Jedi vibes as well, where it was trying to almost like set up like this future for 007, this future for the James Bond franchise that I don't necessarily envision happening. It's like Rian Johnson taking some liberties with the James, uh, the Star Wars franchise. Fukunawa kind of did that with James Bond, right? So like they, they kind of tease like a Lashana Lynch 007 potential spinoff. They kind of tease a uh, Ana de Armas spinoff. Do you see Paramount actually taking advantage of this potential situation with these spinoffs? Uh, MGM. Oh, MGM me. and Amazon. Yeah. Yep. Sorry. Just to that. be clear, because that's important because Amazon, a lot more like cash available than anybody, right? Like, yep. And just got bought for like 8.3 billion, right? So they're going to, and I, I see Barbara Broccoli said, and I think Amazon also, and an Amazon exec also came out and said, like, Bond is for the theaters. James Bond is James Bond. They didn't mention anything about spinoffs, but we know that James Bond will continue to happen. James Bond as 007, not a def- separate 007. They've already started looking for the next Bond. Right. So that's definitely happening. Just want to say that to be clear. Now, I did think Alashana Lynch was good in this movie. I do think she she had the physical presence. She had a good action sequences. She had, a, I think, the chemistry with Bond, except for one particular scene, was very good. Um, just a campy, corny scene there. Um, just a classic final Daniel Craig moment. Um, passing on the 007 name or whatever. Only thing I didn't like, but that's just nitpicky there. Um, I thought she was really good. So like it does because from of this good performance, I could see them doing like a spinoff 007, something like that, or like an MI6 spinoff something, but I'd rather not just let's focus on James Bond and making this back because guess what? This did not do well at the box office for a James Bond movie. This did half of Venom, maybe less. Like this did not, this was not a box office success. And just having it become, it was only 56 million domestically. That's pathetic going to uh, compared to a Venom 2, which obviously make we talked 90. about last week. Like, oh, it did make 90. Okay, I thought it was over. Venom did, no, Venom. Venom yeah, 2 yeah Venom, Venom 2. Yeah. But, uh, okay, so it did make over half of Venom 2, but still the fact that I'm saying that is crazy. Yeah, I agree, man. I, 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 what I have a hard time seeing 
is having these spinoffs, but then a new bond in theaters. Like I know, I guess they do want to stray away from connectivity and everything, but it might confuse viewers if they see Lashana Lynch getting a spinoff and she she's going by 007 in these series. And I know they, they're, they're making this emphasis that like when I say Amazon and MGM, they're putting an emphasis on James Bond is made for movie theaters, yet you're teasing these potential projects. I think it's almost they're testing the audiences and they see what they like. And I don't think there's there. I think there's like, I would say 1% chance Lashana Lynch is 007 the next movie. Yeah. I think this is, this was just helped her like catapult her career a little more, maybe her own action franchise. Um, and, and it's you, not because she wasn't good. Yes, exactly. Um, I actually do think like I, I'm looking forward to seeing her in more projects. And just to be clear, like I'm, I think Daniel Craig was great. Everyone else I thought was like, eh, I, I will save my villain talk for later, but I think everyone else was, was good. I think everyone else was good. Um, we can go to it now because I, I have a lot of thoughts. And, and I, I like, we, and we talked a lot about Madeline. I think she's wonderful as a Bond girl. I think she's really great actress. Leah Sado. I do think okay. she's really good. Like, right. I, 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 you don't, you didn't like her. I don't think they, they have great chemistry together. You don't think so? I you, really what, don't. Like, you, like, you like, you, I think, are you too locked in on Vespa right now? <laughs> no, I'm locked in that on was great chemistry. The Ana de Armas chemistry. Yes, but she was like goofy. Like, like exactly. Like, I, she's okay, supposed I to agree. be goofy. That's why I she agree. can't have like that much screen time so, with Bond. You know. So if we're gonna go that route, okay. But we'll talk about it in spoilers then, because that's that's where my chemistry issues lie. I think I think it was believability stronger. It was stronger with Vesper. Way stronger with Vesper, in my opinion. That I think that might be why they included her in the movie. Who knows? But I, I let's let's go on to the villain. You we teased uh, Lucifer Safin which is very close to Lucifer Satan, right? Uh, Rami Malek's character. He's taking up the mantle after Blofeld, played by Christoph Waltz and Spectre. Christoph Waltz makes another appearance in No Time to Die, but this is Safin's movie. Rami Malek, how do you think he did in his villainous role, folks? So his first scene was awesome. Oh, Intro scene to the movie. That's what I wrote down. Was fin- fantastic. I, I That top five scene in the movie for sure top three i would say personally i thought it was fantastic um i think a problem with this character is because the first hour of this movie is fantastic the first hour i was getting some serious like wow are we doing this are we gonna get to that top tier like the like it it was never gonna surpass casino royale skyfall but is it gonna like come close but this movie just was long and it was long because of this villain because after that first scene with them we do not see him for another hour but when he comes back in he makes this movie very confusing slow too slow and he like Remy mock he really tried here you could tell like he was going out for the part here i in my opinion he really was trying to play a classic bond villain the way he was dressed the way he was talking the slow elegant accent he really tried here but Never, ever did I think that he was great or compares to the top bomb villains of this franchise. Right. Um, I thought very one note the entire time. Uh, I agree. Oh, de- definitely like, one like, note. There was no, like, he never escalated, like, whenever, like, he was one-on-one with Bond. And you, I want to see, like, that anger out of him. Maybe it just wasn't the character he was trying to play, but I think it would have helped because he literally sounded the same no matter what situation he was in the movie. Like, his voice You're didn't right. change. Even but at I, the very end, like, yes, his last scene. That's what I'm like, saying. He sounded the same. The same. Time. But uh, I wish he wore the mask more. 
I wish when he met James so you, Bond. You, you're in on the mask. I love the mask. Interesting. The mask. Do you do you not and, feel that we're getting overblown with masks in Hollywood? With I villains? mean, James Bond. Like he, like I think, like he, like you have to add some uniqueness to a James Bond villain. And like, yes, they, his motive was kind of unique. It's like it's like it was very specific to this story, obviously. But I think if he wears the mask, like that's what draws me in. And that's what partly mm-hmm. what made the opening scene so good. It was beautifully shot too. When right. you open the door and you have the mask, it's so intimidating. I'm with and you. If he goes without the mask, he's not as intimidating anymore. He's just not. I agree. But I do think then if they're going to do that, the way they, after that first scene is like, all right, he's got to be an assassin the whole movie then. Oh, uh, okay. I'm not doing spoilers right now. But that's also well, I wish he went that. in the office. I wish he was in Madeline's office at the beginning of the movie with the mask with on. the mask on. Yeah, yeah. And what, and right, he went point. after hours with the mask on. I just like, think like just, I'm thinking black mask. Like I'm thinking a lot like birds of prey. I'm thinking his all, mask. This mask is so much more badass. And the way it breaks, very yeah. good, very good. It's, it's yeah, good. yeah, yeah. But I will. I'm, say, I'm just worried about masks in Hollywood at the moment. I was more compelled by Blofeld's performance in his short screen time than I was with Rami Malek. And that might be just because Christoph Waltz is an amazing actor, but I wasn't like head over heels in love with him during Spectre, right? So I, I don't know. Just, he should have been just, in that more too. His screen time in that was limited. I, I would have loved. Like I, I, I love Christoph Waltz, and I think he did gr- very good in limited screen time here. Uh, we'll get into spoilers later with like uh, what goes down with Blofeld. Um, I, but this is yet another example of another character being held over into a Bond movie, into yes. a next series of a Bond movie, yes. which is going to upset people that are loyal to Bond. They're going to be like, okay, we already saw Blofeld. Let's go on to the next villain. And they did know? a Blofeld where like Blofeld, like the head of Spectre, like if you think Connery, like that's all the Connery movies. Right. Like Blofeld. And then it was the final, the uh, not final Connery movie, obviously, because he came back, but supposed to be the final Connery movie at the end of the 60s when you get that like Blofeld like oh he looks like that we're doing that and like you didn't get that here obviously I'm not saying to do the same thing but it was just like similar to like when I said so we're still doing Vesper huh I was like so that was Blofeld like he was in that right like he didn't have to be but he did it and it was like I felt like they just did that just to show that he didn't have an eye similar to uh, the a la Sean Connery version so I don't know we're talking about Spectre too. We're talking about Blofeld, so we're kind of all over the place in this review, just because oh, like we're all, excited. Well, the movie, the movie itself, like it was a little it's bit all over the place. It, it, I, it was their fault I for doing that. What I think was a major flaw of the movie. Now that I'm thinking about it, they wanted us to believe James Bond hated Spectre with a passion. They it wanted was, us to think that he absolutely despised Spectre, but it wasn't him that should despise Spectre to that level. It was Madeline. Who should hate Spectre? And it's like that's they like, try to pass it off to Bond. And I just I didn't I, I think you might have hinted at this too. The believability in that, right? I was never sold. There, on. I just wasn't sold with a lot of aspects of the movie. I wasn't sold with the Madeline aspect and what happens there. I'm not sold on Spectre in the first place. But, and because Blofeld technically is like his stepbrother or whatever, like obviously Spectre, like going back to that, like not sold on that factor. And I'm not gonna be sold on Spectre in itself here because his hatred goes to rivalries. From like a, the Mads Mikkelsen character in Casino Royale to uh, Javier Bardem, Silva in uh, Skyfall. And obviously they're all under Spectre, but it's like you're not going to have that same effect from the intimacy of a Casino Royale or the, in, the intense intensities of a Casino Royale and Skyfall. So it just wasn't going to sell me on it. The believability factor wasn't there. 
it made me want to watch Spectre again after seeing this movie because there's obviously a lot of connectivity between Spectre, which is disappointing because like Spectre was not looked at as a critical smash and or like it was did decent at the box office. But like if you made it more connected to Skyfall, I've been like, let's go, let's go. Like, <laughs> like, like, you know, just like, well, you made it connected to Spectre. It's just like, and ah. if we're going all the way back to Casino Royale, why not go back to 2012, six years uh, uh, sooner? Yeah. And I, I do. And speaking of performances, speaking of actors in this movie, uh, I, I we were looking at the opening credits and I saw a certain name on the screen. I saw Billy Magnuson jump on the screen. Right. And I gave you a huge no. Oh, like, our guy, our guy is Billy Magnuson having a moment now. Is he, he was in a lot a of this? He was yes. in a lot of this. I think never never been a more predictable Bond character of all time, by the way. Right. I think uh, this is big for him. I really do. I think this is bigger for him. Huge. Than, like, this is a lot bigger than Man in Sense of New York. I think that goes without saying. But uh-huh. uh, I know he just had, like, a show come out uh, with um, the girl from uh, multi- whatever, um, from uh, Palm Springs, HBO show. Christian Miliati. Thank you. I knew it was, like, M. I was going to say Multisanti, but obviously it's not that. I'm just because <laughs> it's Man in Sense of New York. But, uh, but, yeah, so, like, this is his biggest thing he's ever done. He needs to, he needs to take a step here now. Adam Warlock. To. He could have been Adam Warlock. Adam Warlock. <laughs> Billy Magnuson but, uh, could have been Adam Warlock. But yeah, I thought it was good. Like I, I, it was kind of predictable. Like because he was yeah. like so campy in the beginning. It's like yeah. oh, we're, like because he's with Felix, our boy. Bond, Bond right. has that sometimes though. Bond oh, has yeah, that yeah, yeah. sometimes. No, yeah. I'm not saying Bond's not campy. No, the Bond movies are campy. It's just yes, we have to simmer them to a certain level. I think this one did. I think did a pretty good job of that. And like after the, like the Bond rewatches I've been doing, I've been really rewatching just the Sean Connery ones. Mm-hmm. Um, they have some campiness to it. Roger Moore obviously excels Roger that campiness. Moore. But Daniel Craig, I think, separated himself. Like the campiness kind of goes away when you have like movie Skyfall. Try and look at any sense of campiness in that movie. Yeah, you can't. There's you just no have the smirks of like, wow, his arrogance is amazing here. Yeah, like, like it's he'll hard do not some, to smile. He'll do some Ru- chirps. He's more edge. Resurrection. Like darker like that hard edge to him compared to like a roger moore or compared to right even a Pierce so it's just kind of weird seeing a daniel craig movie be kind of funny and campy but like if you just think yeah. back to other bonds i can't That's like knock it for it yeah exactly um i do want to get to spoilers soon ricky flex um but i do want to also talk about i thought cinematography of this movie was excellent um Agreed. i i i, I love the way it looked the settings were spectacular the action I, like, sequences talked, yes one at the end with the staircase Anna the Armist, her scene, oh, her 10 too. minutes, spectacular. That was um, great. In the woods where James Bond and uh, Madeline are being hunted. Like, Good too. great scene. Great in a movie theater. Great, great in a movie theater. Yes. It was chilling. It was chilling. You're right. Magnuson show up. It, it was, I will get into spoilers later. And then what, what scene did you want to bring up, Flix, or action-wise? Uh, no, well, I was just going to mention, we still haven't talked about Daniel Craig's performance. I really do. Before we get to spoilers, oh, like, yeah, this would be my last thing before... I do think he was great in this. This is a great send off. Obviously that he said like, this is his last bond movie. So we're not seeing him again, folks. We're not. Um, so He'll cut his wrist before he does another bond movie. Yeah. Okay. Well, <laughs> famous last words there, but uh, yeah, I thought he was great. And we even got a little Benoit Blanc. I really, I, oh. there is some Benoit Blanc in there. Dr. Rowe. I got a couple of scenes. Like there were a couple of scenes. I did feel it. So it just got me a little pumped up for Knives Out too, because he did say that this one's gonna be might be better than the first one. So wow. I was just thinking about that as well. But yes, he was great, a little Benoit Blanc, and Doctor Rowe. You were mentioning this before. I don't want to say it now, but 
after seeing this movie, it cemented my uh, cemented your take that yes, James Bond needs to go young again because my God, did he look old? Dude, he looked his, so old, and the makeup <laughs> didn't help him. Like makeup made him look even older, like with the crevices and the bangs. Like they really like obviously he doesn't have that many bangs in real life. He's a Hollywood movie star. He's James Bond for God's sakes. But uh, like I was like, all right. James Bond's going young again. There's no way. Because think about it this way. Since 2012, he's been supposed to be retired. This is a yeah. retired James Bond. We're not like, and uh, in 2006, Casino Royale, that was his first mission as the 007. So we didn't, we haven't actually seen James Bond really in his prime since Pierce Bronson. Bronson. Yeah. So like, we, we got to go young again. That's helped narrow down my, uh like i tweeted out last night like on this show i will say my next james bond oh you're doing it right now oh do you want me to well why not well we're in the middle of a review okay so after we hit the score after the review okay because it's i think it's a conversation i nearly forgot um but yeah daniel craig was easily the best performance this movie yeah yeah whether villain whether he was a supporting character no matter what he was the best character a great final bond performance And it was a nice emotional hitting performance. It reminded me a little bit of Skyfall. And it obviously has some more emotional uh, or, or close to the heart type of um, plot points that are hammered upon in this movie. And he played it perfectly. Like, like he, he is Bond. All right. Uh, let's get to some scores, Ricky Flex. What did you give? No Time to Die. 74 for me. Interesting. I know it might be low. I, I, I reserve the right to go higher. It, I, 74. 74. So this does not break the upper echelon for me, as you've talked about with Skyfall, which I put in like the mid nineties, Casino Royale, probably low nineties. I'm putting this at a 79. I'm putting this at a 79 for no time to die. Just on the cusp of really, really good. I'm just saying it's good. Right. Good. Not great. Uh, all right, 74 from Flex, 79 from Dr. O. We are now going to move on to some spoiler territory. So this is your warning. If you're listening, if you don't want to hear it, skip to our top billing draft of James Bond things. All right, but let's get into spoilers, Ricky Flex. Okay. The death of James Bond. James Bond at the end. First it's of all, over. first of all, impressively amazing cinematography on the death of James Bond with the rockets firing in the air and looking upon the water, talking with his daughter. He finds out he has a daughter with Madeline and talking to both of them. And then his demise, were you shocked by the the decision? And did you like the decision? I liked it. If we're going to do this thing where we're just connecting the story here from beginning to end, might as well end it. On the right way. And when I say beginning, it goes back to what I said. His first mission is 007. His first, like, he just got anointed 007 Casino Royale. Beginning to end. Let's make it a complete story. I was just so confused, like, with the story and all the plot. Like, I think there was a plot issue. It was just, la- like, layers of plot post-first hour. And what the Safin character, uh, right? Safin. Safin. Luther- Lucifer Safin. Um, just made it so hard to understand. It's like you forget. But then I think once you hit the action sequences, uh, action sequence with him on the staircase going to shut the doors. But then it's like, wait, they're opening back up. Oh, he's poisoned. Oh, he can't touch uh, people related to him. So he can't touch uh, his daughter. Okay, let's open the doors back up. 
And also, why can't – I don't want to go – all right, I'm, I'm going to stop the rant there. What do you think? I like the decision that he died. Yeah. I do. I think that's going to upset James Bond fans because I don't think a Bond has ever died on screen. And it's, I, he's, the, he's the Bond that died. Yeah. And I think James Bond – I think Daniel Craig likes that. I think like I think he likes that he's the bond like it, it almost do like you he, like that he was so good that he deserved a death. Yes, I do. Oh, it, oh it, I like that spin. He was so good he deserved a death. Yeah, like he was. That's he, good. He gave so much. His movie's the longest tenured Bond of all time. He as two of I would say the two best Bond movies ever made, and I think it it provides a a a a, a strong emotional pull for the audience. Like Pete, like don't tell me you didn't feel some like I I didn't I didn't cry. But I felt tears. I was my tear ducts watering. This, I did it, say it this very movie was emotional at the end. I did say this movie was very long and it should have been shorter. But my God, I didn't want to stop seeing Daniel Craig as James Bond. I grew up with this guy and you're telling me it's over. I felt more sad that he was dying than like for him losing his kid, never seeing them again. I'm like, man, they I'm did never going to see that, James Bond again. I talked about chemistry with Madeline and believability factors. You're telling me the chemistry with them and they have a kid and like, like they just threw that at us? Like, if yeah. have a kid in, with that, in the like, in the fifth movie, like come on, like at least have a kid with Vesper or something. I don't know. That was too short, too too yeah. short of know. a. It's tough when it's only one movie. That they shouldn't have done a kid. They shouldn't have done a kid. That was a mistake. They just threw that in at us. Yeah, and I I, I, I that was just a way of trying to make the death all that more powerful. But it's like opinion. it's it's our final time seeing James Bond. It's gonna hit. It's gonna oh. hit our Daniel Craig. I like so how they, they was it was a bold move because how many times have we seen Daniel Craig in this franchise just go to a tropical island and then end the movie, or or he it ends and we or find like him, any or we yes or we find him at the beginning of the next movie on a tropical island. That's where this movie kind of diverts from older Bond movies. No, yes. he's going to die. He's dying. Yes, and I agree. I thought. I didn't know if he was necessarily going to die when he touched the poison. I thought when he touched the poison, it just meant that he wasn't going to be able to hold his kid again. Like, I, I didn't know he was going to die. Like, I, I, I was a little, it was a little confusing. And mm-hmm. I agree with your point that a lot of the stuff with Safin, I got a little lost. I was like, I got a little lost about uh, between hour one and hour and a half, like one hour and a half. So I was like, I was like, wait a second, what's going on right now? And I want to say really quick, the motive, like I, a lot of times James Bond villain, like villainous, their villain, their motives don't make sense. This one really didn't make sense to me because Spectre is responsible for the death of uh, Safin's family, right? Mm-hmm. He he kills Spectre in the first 20 minutes of the movie. It's Why is he another, killing everybody else? That's another question mark in this movie. So Spectre, the all-powerful Spectre, they're behind all the terrorist organizations in the world. You're telling me just they're all at one party at the same time. There were more people inspector in the, the grand hall there than there were at that party. So you're telling me it's all over after that one party. Oh, no, no, no. I don't think so. I, like I don't the think thing, so. Though. I like the eye thing though. That's very James Bond. Yes, that was, that was. And then the Spectre logo. On the, no, I, that was all great. But you're telling me it's Spectre is just done after that. Like, I just don't understand why he wants to murder everybody. Why does he want to kill everybody now? He killed Spectre. <sighs> You know it, what I mean? It was it was tough. It wasn't good. It was tough. But yeah. it's still, I did, I don't mind the death like we mentioned. I mind the kid. Yeah, I'd rather have him not get, I'd rather, the, wait, the kid? Yeah. Just extra, extra time in the movie that wasn't needed. They didn't explore that at all. The chemistry really between him or the, and the uh, between Bond and the, and the kid. Um, just him protecting her in the woods 
but it was never like together in the same screen, really. Just a nice goodbye and just gave her a coat and she's went on a boat, not even a hug. Like weird goodbye for like the last time you're going to see your kid, like potentially like he was fully expecting to die, not by because of poison, but because of just making it in time with the nukes or whatever coming missiles. Just very odd. Did not like it. Just added extra time and confusion. Didn't need it. I, 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 I don't know. I don't think I like the decision, but I understand why they did it because you want to have that stronger connection. If James Bond dies, he's leaving behind a kid and love of his life. It's just that it's we already just, had that connection to this James Bond, like as the audience. Yes. But like, like, and also, and he's leaving the love the first, of his life. Allegedly first like, time James first time Bond has a kid. Right. Yeah. Just first time Bond is a kid. Well, This is the longest tenure 007. Like he said it in the movie, like, Oh, usually like only four to five years max is like 007s or a, a MI6 agent supposed to live anyways. And he lived for 15 extra years or, four, or 11, 10 to 11 off that logic. Like just to say that. So, yeah. yeah, I just, I do like the death. I don't like the uh, the relationship with the kid, like you're saying, but I think those are the two main spoiler things that we have to talk about. Yeah. And I, I think Blofeld's Blow, mm-hmm. death. We can talk about Blofeld a little bit. Um, I, I anticipate very minimal screen time. I, I I I didn't see it coming that once he touched him that all of a sudden okay he's gonna die yes now. same I saw that that was great shock factor I'm like oh my god that what, was what, good what, what are the ramifications of this then you look over he's dead I'm like damn he just said he wasn't gonna kill him then boom I, that was yes. awesome I really that did, was really I enjoyed good that, scene. that 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 got me that got me I did not I thought like oh he's gonna kill him but he didn't and I thought oh somehow Blowfield's gonna like he has to die in this movie or something but no way did I think he was gonna just die just from touching him. Yeah, got me. I, I, that was uh, that that was cool. That was cool. Uh, and I, I think that was the best act in Christoph Waltz. Like, Christoph Waltz, the one on one at the end of Spectre, was decent with Bond, but I did like him a lot in No Time to Die. Like he, I, uh, that was. I like scene. this. I like this one better. I did think. I did think he was fine, Inspector. I just think that they kind of just. Yeah, you, threw I don't think it. he was bad. But, yeah, like, I just, um, but I thought he did act very well in this one. Yeah. Uh, any other spoilers you want to get into, Flex? I think I'm good. I'm I'm trying to think back. I I, I guess I'll, I'll just say I think the Felix death was good as well. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So that's where I was going to go next. If you had nothing else to say, that's, I guess that was the last thing I was going to say. Felix death, good. He Felix. Wasn't, yeah. Like even when you have the same bond, you see different people playing Felix. Like Doctor No, you have Jack Lord playing. Felix, yes. and then all of a sudden you have another just a random right, older guy going to uh, uh, Goldfinger and being Felix Leiter. Like you had an excellent actor with Jeffrey Wright playing this role, and it's great that I love how they put so much into these roles and the carryover. Whether it be Judy Dench, who started off with the Pierce Brosnan movies, yes, people forget right Pierce Brosnan as M, and you have Ray Fiennes joining as M. Ben Wishaw is a great up and coming actor as Q. I think he nails Q so well. And then Naomi Harris, an Oscar nominated actress to play Money She's Penny. Awesome. Like who wants better like, than I did, better dude, than I was gonna, I, I, I'm not going to tease a pick, but she should be on the board for Bond girl. You're counting Money Penny. Yeah. That, I like that I, might I, my specific, specifically I, I don't know. Naomi I, Harris. She is great. I, I, I really do. So I think Skyfall. She was kind of, she was the Bond girl in Skyfall for a bit. Like to be honest, she definitely had the most screen time out of any of the girls. I shouldn't have teased a pick. I shouldn't have teased a pick. But I had to say it. Like, she's so good in these movies. Um, 
And Ray finds his little. I like how he's like. It seems like Emma's always. He, a he gained some weight in this one. Oh, dude! I was gonna say he that. gained some weight. I wrote that down. I was like, dude, you just did the dig with Carrie Mulligan. He did not look that bad in that movie. Yeah. And now you're doing this, like, and you look like out. this. Oh, but uh, ooh. and I think you were gonna say like, I'm not. I don't want to guess or interrupt, but I'm gonna guess. <laughs> um, they finally put some blame on like they did it with Judy Dench a little bit, but then she kind of got proven like, Oh, I had nothing to do with that. Like she couldn't like help it. This one, like this is M's fault. The trust of the Br- the British government. Right. Of M of, of, yeah. Cause like you think it's, after Spectre, the, the intelligence agencies, it's something that's been discussed with the Daniel Craig movies for so long. And this one, Hey, it falls on them. I, I did like how, like, it, like you almost, it's almost assumed that James Bond just is naturally not, not going to trust like M and the agency, but it's, uh, I don't well, know. It I, just, I, I, I guess my only thing with that is that like after Spectre, like, cause Spectre, the big thing was like, they're going to have analytics. Like, I just love this, like using analytics, like we're going to have analytics, like surveillance, like take over MI6. So Ray finds you're the gone. Lefty. Right. But then like, Oh, they're under Spectre. See you later. So it's like, oh, you got the trust, but it's like, oh, but then on this movie, they're like, all right, forget about that. You you still can't be trusted. Like it was just kind of yeah. odd, hypocritical it's a little natu- bit. Yeah, but- and so it's, it's just it's just Bond going off his instincts. That's when he does it best. Right. Um. Okay. So that's a seventy four from Ricky Flex, seventy nine from Doctor O. That's gonna do it for our review of No Time to Die. Should I say go my- check it out in theaters? Should I say Ricky my next Flex? Bond? Give us your next Bond. All right. I was just, uh, again, this movie made me realize we've got to go young. So this person's got to be like under 35. They got to do a couple movies while they're still in their thirties or twenties there, I say. Um, so they can't be 40 and over or like 37 and over 36 and over. They gotta be 35 and under. So like my guy, Tom Hardy gone. He chose Venom over the, like he didn't chose Venom over this because Daniel Craig was still doing this. He kind of did, but picking like doing Venom, like no way. Took his name gone. out of the running. Right. Henry Cavill. He's known as Superman. Gone. He, he, he already did a spy thing with uh, Man from Uncle. He was good in it. Gone. Idris Elba, too old. Gone. Richard Madden chose Eternals. Gone. Wow. Tom Hiddleston chose Loki. Gone. Regis Jean Page, you mentioned before, Bridgerton. She, he just signed up for a bunch of more uh, projects. I need to see more from him. Dungeons and Dragons, I think. Yes, he, that's, that's one of the main ones. He needs, needs to do more before I sign off on that. Out. Henry Golding. Snake Eyes failed. You're out. Tom Holland. <laughs> yeah. Tom Holland. Spider Man out. Okay. Right, obviously, you got to be British as well. Just going through this list, I think that's a given. Daniel Kaluuya would be interesting. Ooh, would be interesting. Oh. But like you think of his roles, like none of them are action roles. He's probably the best actor. Supporting I've in Black Panther. Right. Yeah, that's his schedule. He'll have that availability because he's in that supporting role. That's an yeah. interesting pick. But that's not my next Bond. Out. Killian Murphy, too old. Your boy, out. Okay. Aaron Tyler, J- Taylor Johnson picked Craven. Out. But that would be interesting. And then my last one before I say my last thought before I pick my next one, Robert Pattinson, you picked the Batman. Good choice, but you're out. Now, he would have been awesome. The guy who's going to be Dev Patel. Dev Patel is my next Bond. He's 31. English, obviously. He's played some British roles like David Copperfield and stuff, whatever. He is a great actor. Yes. He's a great actor. Green Knight. Slumdog was breakout, obviously. Best Picture winner, like, whatever. He's well-established, and he is a star. He's a star. And people love him. 
People love him, and he's good looking. Like not, he is. He's not a attached. Stud. Not he's attached. Not a, so I love that you say that because his only next movie he's doing, he's actually making his directorial debut in Monkey Man, kind of a John Wick vibe, uh, but like middle uh, Indian or whatever. Um, I forget Mumbai, something like that. So like he's not tied down to a franchise yet, and he would be known for this. This is his superhero gig here, and there's no scheduling outside issues. the box type pick. No Marvel DCEU in the mix. Nothing lined up after Monkey Man. Like, he's a great young British actor trying to prove his star worthiness. Like, he's finally getting that recognition, his resume. He's only 31, like I said. Like, I think this is our guy. I really do. And I, I like how a lot of people so- bring, last was- thing, a lot of people bring, like, say, like, oh, we got to have diversity bond. We need a woman, uh, 007 to take the leader. We need, like, this also checks that mark off. I'm not saying that's a must. I'm just saying that also is like, oh, that's big for the character as well diversity aspect and then also the fact that this is not a name being talked about until that we until we release this clip this is not a name being talked about which is good that's the that's the kind of person they're looking for they're, they're not going to go like the, these guys with the vegas odds daniel craig do you think he had vegas odds on becoming the next bond at the time i don't know maybe very maybe, slim like, he was not a favorite i would say he was not a favorite during that time I mean, Henry Cavill was one of the choices back in 06, but 05, mm-hmm. I should say. But he was too young for the role. So I, I, I like that. I don't think he's on a lot of people's radars. So, yeah, we'll see what happens, Flex. I like that. That's that's my guy, at least, I'll say. Okay. We'll campaign. That does it for our review of No Time to Die, and that's Ricky Flex's pick. He will now move on to our top billing draft of James Bond stuff. All right, Flex, it's time for our draft, our James Bond draft. I'm going to go over the categories. You're going to flip a coin to decide who will go first in this draft. This, These are the categories. We have the best Bond actor that has portrayed the iconic spy. We have best Bond movie. And you are not allowed to pick a Daniel Craig James Bond movie. Next, we have best Bond villain. We have Best Bond Girl, and that's Best Bond Songs. We, why did we do, why did we choose outside of Best Bond Movies? Well, me and Ricky Flex, we're already on record as saying Skyfall and Casino Royale are the two best Bond movies ever made. Ricky Flex, what do you have, number one, Casino Royale or Skyfall? Skyfall. Me too. Uh, right, I, I, so was talking to our, I was talking to our, uh, our good friend, Zach. And he was saying it's a hot take that we think that Skyfall is actually a better movie than Casino Royale or that we rank it higher. Is that a hot take? I don't think it's a hot take, but it's... Uh, I think it's just I th- right. I think it's correct, but I do think Casino Royale is right there. That's no, why it's just... No Bond movie has ever looked so good on screen. Sam Mendes did a masterpiece. like Deacons. Masterclass. Deacons. Deacons. Iconic scenes. Every like, scene is perfect when you look at it on it's, the TV. It's amazing. Yeah. Just truly amazing. So we can't pick Skyfall. And Casino Royale is great too. Royale. So this, this was a great, fun, like I, I've been through, I've, I've watched so many Bond movies over the past month. Way too many. I'm not even going to say how many, but Skyfall wow. just takes the cake. Like it's not even close. I do think there, I do think some are amazing, but Skyfall easily and Casino Royale close second. Okay. So with that being said, Ricky Flex, you have a coin. 
Dr. Hey. O, you already know what he's going to pick. Tails never fails. Flip it. We're up. Flipping over. It's Tails. You have the choice. I will pick. First. Okay. All right, Ricky Flex. I will go with. This is tough. A lot of these I have only two. Um, we're lucky Nez isn't here. I don't know. I don't think he's a huge James Bond guy anyway. But a lot of these I have two picks for. And I'm okay with having either. I think I'm going to start off with villain. I'm going to go with Silva and from Skyfall as the best Bond villain of all time. That's off my board first. I think this villain was, it had like the look of a Bond villain. It's got the silver hair, even though he doesn't naturally have like that silver blondish hair. If you know Javier Bardem, one of the great, he already is known. This is literally, he's played two of the greatest, maybe 10 villains of the last 25 years with uh, No Country for Old Men with Sugar. But I'm going with Silva, his relationship with Judy Dench. The scenes with Daniel Craig are electrifying. These are like one of the few scenes where you think that actually Daniel Craig is being outacted during these movies. And it's usually with Silva and uh, truly menacing. Excellent ending to the movie and his pursuit of Bond, admirable, but failed. I'm going to go with Silva as my number one pick. They don't eat coconut anymore. They only eat rat. Ricky, that was pretty good. That was probably your best impersonation you've ever done on this podcast. Like, he is so good in that role. Like, I mentioned iconic moments. That's why Skyfall takes the cake for me. Um, and he's the sole reason why. He is yeah. unbelievable. I he's do unbelievable. Think, I do think there's another villain that uh, comes close. Uh, or I think there's a, I think for me, there's a t- number two. But the reason why he's not number one for me is because Javi Bardem is the sole villain. He's the sole driving force behind the movie. He's and the bad guy. You had a connection with Judy Dench's M, right? You had that. You had a person, yep. uh, like a personal rivalry factor and like an obsession. When does that happen in Bond, by the way? Yeah. Where there's been like such a connection. Like we know a connection with No Time to Die, with uh, Sap. mother you know bond would protect her no matter what and like you see that mother son relationship even towards the end of the movie it shows right. like the like and silva felt, felt like he used to have that relationship with judy dench it's just great writing too not gonna lie it's fantastic writing silva Ugh, bardem iconic great intro too great intro oh yeah all right so you went can I, can I stream this anywhere no uh, maybe epics actually. Maybe I'll just buy it tonight. It might be epics. I think I'm gonna just buy it. Okay, so you did that. Okay, I'm gonna wait on Bond. I think, I think uh, that's an interesting conversation we're gonna have there. I don't think it's gonna might go as expected. Um, all right. So, I'm gonna go. 
crap. This is a tough one, huh? It is tough. I was very strategic with that pick. Yes, you were, because that would have been not my one one as well. So I think Bond songs, I think you said you only had two. Mine's deep. Like really? Like that's why it's a category. Bond I songs like, are good. I like a few. There are a ton there's, of them. You're not gonna have like obviously there's a ton of them because it's a ton of movies, but like so you're gonna have your misses, but the hits are hits, in my opinion. But I'll, I'll go, I'll go with one here. Since we can't draft the movie and we're talking about Skyfall already, might as well just for content's sake, just continue talking about it. Skyfall, Adele. Wow. two oscars uh for bond uh songs shockingly shockingly and this is one of them it's finally not a pop or a rock song like uh, it just was doing doing this rewatch the raw like the recent bonds that is the t doll brosnan and even the first two craig ones are going through this pop rock star era and like you had madonna do one for brosnan you had uh, who else did one? Uh, Cheryl Crow did one for Brosnan too. Tomorrow Never Dies in 97. Yep. Uh, Casino Royale is a rock one. Um, Aha, Chris Cornell. Like Aha did one in Vertido. Duran Duran. Um, Duran Duran. Like, yeah, now we're, yeah. I, I, I'm, te- I'm teasing all the picks because there's only one other person. And I'm saying ones that I know Dr. O is not going to pick. I'm just saying, like, we finally did something different. Like, we went back to core Bond, Connery Bond. We did a real deep ballad here, and Adele just murdered it. Murdered like no one we haven't seen before. I think there's a couple songs that could, uh, that if you like better than Skyfall, I can't, like, say, like, I can definitely say, like, Skyfall the movie is better than the rest. I can't definitely say, like, Skyfall the song is better than those because I think music's just so, so much more open to subjective. It's subjective, thank you. But that's gonna be my favorite Bond song, Skyfall. Uh, with the with the combined with the opening scene where he falls off the train, right, and then the the right, doom, and he's doom, shot, he's shot, doom, doom. and then it leads into the intro. Yes, and it's so good, it's so good, and that is an example. It's a great song, even if you listen to it on its own. There's a lot of James Bond songs that don't work that way, where you can't just make a like a James James Bond playlist and just listen to all of them in a row. That one you can listen to on its own and you listen to it with the movie and it hits very hard. Yes. It almost like, it, I feel like when Deadpool, uh, Deadpool 2 yes. ripped off Skyfall. Yes. It ripped off. Completely. It's like, it's like oh, that very traumatic thing just happens and then like the down, down starts happening. This is the end. <laughs> it's, 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 it, it hits. And then it, he, it, it, it's so good. And you know you're in for something. It's, it has an epic, epicness to it. It was easily my number one song. Um, that was what I was actually debating for the number one pick. If it wasn't going to be Silva, it would be the Skyfall song picks. I wanted it. Epic. Wow. If you got your back-to-back would be number one picks, that would have been a good start for you in the draft. Yes. So now we're on to your second pick, Flex. Okay. So the reason why I was waiting a little longer is because I wanted to see, all right, what am I doing for the second pick here? Because I'm not doing villains because you already picked that. And I'm just waiting uh, for Bond. I just, I want to have that conversation at the same time as you. 
um, kind of blend those two together. So what's next? I think I'm going to go Bond Girl here, and I'm going to shock your world. Oh, I'm no. picking Pussy Galore. Pussy Galore, I think the name alone says a lot. And Goldfinger, obviously. And Goldfinger, iconic movie. Uh, it's uh, many's number one uh, Bond movie. I won't reveal if that's mine not or not. But uh, people forget, like, this is supposed to be, uh, this was thought to be based on Ian Fleming, like the writer, like his real life love, like uh, of uh, uh, Black Hat. What's her name? Carol Black Hat or whatever. This is supposed to be based off of her. That's pretty cool. This is the first time the Bond girl like has, is more than just a pretty face. She's an integral part of the movie. Uh, I think that's essential. And that's crosses like, sides. And then she crosses sides at the end, goes to Bond. I think uh, with that being said, I think that's a worthy number one Bond girl. I don't think it will be yours, but I think for me, I, I want Goldfinger on my list here. I'm going to go with that. I, I, that was my number two Bond girl. I watched Goldfinger this past week. Um, that was one I watched earlier. I mean, I didn't, I, I, I've been trying to like watch most of each movie because I fall asleep and it's usually I'm an hour and a half in. I don't see the very end, but I haven't seen Goldfinger before in my life. I like, mm-hmm. I like, I like, whether it be TNT, like Father's right. Day marathons, like I've seen, I've seen Goldfinger. Perfect. But Pussy Galore is a good pick and the name just sticks out enough where it's like you're going to get that attraction on the big board. Um, that's not the only time we've used this like pussy galore pussy. Like you haven't said the first time we use it in, uh, <laughs> in uh, the James Bond franchise, shockingly. And based on our review last week of many saints of Newark and our preview, this is the third time we've used this phrase <laughs> is this vernacular yeah. in our, for our podcast. But yeah, it's a great pick. It's a great pick. It's an iconic movie. And if you pick a bond girl, you have to make it an iconic movie. You have to, mm-hmm. or else it really doesn't work. It, it, it's just like, it's not as memorable, you know? And yeah. uh, Goldfinger, you think of James Bond, you think of Pussy Galore. So I like to pick. All right. Now on to my second pick. I'm going to go Bond, Daniel Craig. I'm going to re- steal it from Ricky Flex. I'm going to steal. I thought Ricky Flex was going to take it um, in his first top two picks. I gave him his opportunity. I have to do it. Just because now Song and Bond Girl have taken something I can wait till the the next time the board uh, jumps back to me. Craig is like the physical Bond. He's the Bond we grew up with. We know this is like a toss up for a lot of people. If you're a true James Bond fan, um, we obviously I'm not even, I, I, won't, I won't say the name, but uh, I'm just gonna like this is it's between someone who uh, tragically not tragically but like sadly passed away is no longer with us it was neck and neck but i guess craig is just the person i'm most familiar with and i watch his movies consistently and uh he's the star of two of the best bond movies i've ever seen and um yeah and i can't wait to see what daniel craig does next beyond bond and he's given so much to this role james bond daniel craig yeah it's just we saw something different with him the blend of muscle and uh like looks and the suave and he's also like the first one where he like a like casino royale like i know this isn't realistic but like it felt realistic and grounded i guess if, if you had to like pick anyone yeah and that was his entrance to it um less campy and he had the best connection with like in my opinion like if you're looking pre daniel craig ones like if you look at his connections with m money penny and a bond girl like it was just like one, one and done or like quick cameo by M quick cameo by money, penny, some little campiness. And then they're out of there. 
this one like develops relationships with each of the core Bond characters, which makes him unique. Doing the rewatch. I'll actually, I'll save my comments for when I pick my Bond. Go ahead. All right, I'm going to go on to my third round pick. Kick off the third round here. I'm going to go Song. And uh, th- I think it's going to be, uh, Ricky knows I'm going to pick. I'm picking Live and Let Die. Paul McCartney and Wings. starting Roger Moore. I'm not a huge Roger Moore guy. I'm not. Uh, but this song rips. And it's so good that Guns N' Roses did arguably an even better remake of this Ooh. song. And that is a mark you can make against this song. But you can't be a prisoner of the time. You can't be a prisoner of the decade. Guns N' Roses doesn't come, come in until the 80s. Live and Let Die, Paul McCartney and Wings. Easily a top two Bond song, in my opinion. And yeah. that... Sorry, go ahead. No, this is easily number two for me. And this is why I was like, do I pick a bon- Do I pick Skyfall Adele now? Because I'm honestly okay with Live and Let Die. Like that song's yeah. like a banger. He sang it at the Super Bowl for God's sakes. Yeah. Like he did. Shrek two? Seven- oh, that uh, did I Shrek hey, three. Re- Shrek, Shrek three. Shrek, uh Shrek three, yeah. But Shrek the third, sorry. Yeah, correct. Get your Shreks right there, sir. But Literally, rewatching yeah bonds this uh month here and rewatching live and let die of course i watched that roger moore's first installment there did i think of shrek the third yes i did when i heard that song i did that's not <laughs> With the good. frogs and they go live and let die <laughs> electric john yeah. please gone so that's my third round pick we're on to your third ricky flex all right so bond songs are gone um i picked my bond girl i picked my song obviously and, and bond girl I'm going to go movie. Actually, yeah, I have two picks here. I have a Mr. or Mrs. Irrelevant. I'll go back to back and just make this one pick. My favorite Bond movie uh, that is non-Daniel Craig is From Russia With Love, 1963, second installment Mm -hmm. of Sean Connery. And to pair that, I'll go my fourth pick at the same time, just so I can talk about at the same time. I'm going Robert Shaw here. I'm going wow. with Robert Shaw, Daniel Red Grant here. I'm going with it My for villains, Bond villains. So same movie. I'm doing dynamic duo there. I think the reason why this movie is so good is of him, Robert Shaw. People forget. Wow. Like people think of Jaws. Bond like villain. he was a great Bond villain. He had the look. He had the blonde hair. Like very weird. He was supposed to be like, he was trained specifically to kill James Bond. Like that. I think that was a great sequel element that worked. Um, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll just keep going with that. I think it was a formidable foe. Like I, like, as in like, he was a good uh, counterpart to a James Bond. Like he's the Russians. He was the guy in the beginning, correct? See the guy in the beginning? Yes. Like he's the one, like you see Sean Connery, like a face over and he he kills him. Like I watched it this summer. I remember I watched it with you. I'm pretty sure. Uh, yes, yes, you did actually. Um, 
but like obviously i think a big knock is like he's not like trying to kill the world or anything but that's why i kind of like it it's different and it's remember and it's robert shaw like the great robert shaw so i really like that and then russia with, from russia with love obviously you have the cold war elements um to go along with the villain here and the untraditional story you have some great sequences here i think the sequences are great and uh it's a true spy movie like dr no like uh spoiler um uh i think just the pre movie before it <laughs> i don't think it was a true spy movie i think it was a great introduction to the character but i think this was a true great spy movie a lot of elements going on here a lot of great action scenes and i think this is a great intro to specter that's why i was so mad about specter in 2015 and with this one like they kind of just like threw it to the side i really like the connery movies with specter and this was the intro to that which i really liked um and last thing sorry on this rant I loved how in From Russia with Love, they kept saying, like, he's so fit. He's so fit. And, like, people back in the 60s were like, you didn't have to have a six-pack to be fit. You just need so to, fit. like, be skinny. And, like, right. kind of, like, you, you lifted one weight in your life and be like, all right, he's kind of, like, that man is fit. He's jacked. So, all right. Wow. Those were two picks there. Interesting. I was thinking about going from, from Russia with Love. I'm also going to go with a uh, Sean Connery movie. And I was torn between two and, and also Robert Shaw, great Bond villain. He is a forgotten Bond villain. Man, Ricky Flex. So good in both of these movies. I'm going to go with Dr. No. I'm right. going to go with Dr. No. You, I know you, like he's not truly in full form as James Bond here, but it has all the Bondisms and it introduces every, like all these characters in the world. And uh, no Q, no Q in- um, Yeah, no Q. No Q no in Dr. No. But Felix, big role from Jack Lord from uh, Hawaii Five-O fame. Uh, I think Dr. Julius No is one of the best villain voices, most underrated villain voices in the history of movies. He has mm -hmm. a great villain voice. And this is one of the Bond- He's truly a womanizer. He is a absolute stud and he can pull anybody during this movie. The action sequences, a lot of hand-to-hand -hand combat in this movie, a lot of hand-to-hand -hand combat that I actually enjoy. Uh, Bond, like it has some campiness to it, but I think it has less than let's say a Goldfinger. I wasn't going to pick Goldfinger. I, agree. I did not want to, That was the one I was toying with. That would be the chalk pick would be Goldfinger. I but- there are so there are some points of Goldfinger where I'm like, this is beyond like a good movie. Such as, first of all, the villain, overrated. Agreed. Villain, way all overrated. Right. I'm glad we agree on there this. There is no this. They're was, playing golf together. I dude, I was just about to rip on the golf scene. I'm what like, the heck is that? We also got to talk about when Felix Leiter, first of all, an older Felix Leiter, one that's not as good as Jack Lord in my opinion, but the Felix Leiter that Jack comes Lord's in really good. and. Yes, he is. And I think it's one of shocking. the strengths of the movie. Yeah. But, and especially because you don't know who he is in the beginning. Only, he's, that was his only you time. Think he's a villain. Yeah. You think he's a villain until yeah. like, you see him, right? It's almost like a, a Billy Magnuson type vibe. And all of a sudden, boom, he's, he's Felix Leiter uh, from No Time to Die, I'm talking about. But uh, I kind of lost my train of thought. So the villain, mm -hmm. the way it's introduced in Goldfinger, James Bond sitting by a pool 
Felix Leiter goes up to him and goes like, yeah, we have this guy who's like uh, trying to uh, steal money, like to something about gold or whatever. And he's like, yeah, who's our target? And he's like, yeah, he's right over there. I'm like, what? He's right over there at the same pool as you? Like, yeah. you can't tell me that's it's, good movie making. You can't yeah. tell me that's good writing. It's, and like, he was like a, a buffoon. Like he needed the cheat to play hearts. And like, he's yes, playing he golf and he's a cheat to play golf. And was, you're and telling the- me he's a mastermind behind uh, infiltrating Fort Knox? Dude, in the golf scene, we can't like the end of it where like it's the whole 18. And yes, and the, yeah, you brought up the Knox part. Yes, that's a good point, too. That's just like that's just like it's so dated. It's so dated. Uh, but when they drops the golf and James Bond's like, oh, that you uh, do that that downed you a stroke, you lose. I'm just like, <laughs> God damn it. Like yeah. you cheated before <laughs> I get all your money. I'm like, what are we doing right now? Like, Dr. No didn't really have that corniness it, to it. It, it was a flowing movie, and it seemed like this could have been made it, today. I think the only issue, the reason why I picked Russian with love versus that a little too origin story-esque a little too yeah. a little too much like if i'm gonna do a comparison here this might be a hot take to some Batman marvel fans <laughs> sorry too much. no I, all right no, no no i'm not gonna go that far because I, I do think from russia with love is a better movie um and some people I might say that some people might say batman begins is a better movie than dark knight i'm not one of those people i'm just saying some people do say that there's a cult there but i i, I do think it's a little too origin-esque and From Russia with Love is a better movie. So what's like that? Winter Soldier, Captain America, First Avenger. First Avenger wow. to me is a great origin movie, but is it like a great movie? No. What's a great movie? Oh, it's sequel. Like Winter Soldier. This doesn't add, like the villain is not as good either. Like I, he's not Robert Shaw, but the voice, Robert, Robert, like Robert when the, when he's introducing, like when the, uh, the, uh, the Jamaican representative goes to see him and like the tarantulas yeah. like calling the over voice like the, the over here on the loudspeaker it's just like damn that sounds menacing even for the time period i'm like that that actually pulled me in um but that yeah it, it doesn't match the same as from russia with love but i think he's purely james bond in this role the now. first I do, scene i do the iconic yeah. first scene at the at the hearts table and he has yes, the white suit on bond, and he's like james bond it, it was just like damn dude and he pulls the girls just by looking at him he just looks at him and like he does. Like, and, and he's he, the only thing I do have to criticize about Connery as a James Bond is his accent falls out so much where it's like, yes, he has the English accent. He is like Scottish, but he'll lean into the Scottish so much. I'm just like, OK, now, like he's just like going back and forth. I know it's not all that different, but I think he goes back and forth and Dr. No get him out. It's still I it's on my list, like top five Bond movie for me or top six bond movie for me i should say but maybe including including like Sky the two Fall, the two skyfalls for much with love goldfinger um and there's one other one that i really like from connery that i'm saying nice um i also wanted to say i made a i meant to say uh, a comparison i kind of make sometimes is Casino royale is batman begins skyfall is the dark knight like like franchise yes wise. i agree with I, that I, too. I say that all the time uh, people might not like that take whatsoever but that's something i'm kind of committed to it was like, like casino royale introduced that's us to like james one. bond this new james bond this new, take, really this new take on james bond how it's this Oh, less campy. It's just like similar Batman losing the campiness, like Christian Bale coming through with a Christopher Nolan and then taking it to another level after you didn't think it could get much higher with Skyfall with the yeah, Dark Knight. I think that's a um, that's a great analogy. I know Skyfall's not the direct sequel, but that's I think it's fantastic. 
And then for Bond girl, I'm going to, I'm going back to what we know, Vesper. I'm going her as for Bond girl. She's not the most beautiful. I'll say that firsthand. She's gorgeous, but she's not the most beautiful Bond girl. Not even close. Sorry. No offense. Uh, uh, Ava Green, but she has a lot more depth to her than most Bond girls. She's not just a pretty face. Uh, she has, she's tormented and she has that Bond esque goes against Daniel Craig. And it's like, has that double side to her, but also it has that emotional pull with Daniel Craig, whether he's like with her in the shower, uh, comforting her. And she, she has like staying power. So I think I'm going to go with Vesper as my Bond girl from Casino Royale. I thought Eva Green was great. Uh, great acting performance. Yeah. I do wonder where she's been. Um, I don't know what she's been doing acting wise, yeah. but I do think she was really good in this. And she was my number two. I had to bring up her IMDb. Um, yeah. But uh, she also portrays him. I know not on purpose quantum solace um, or on purpose, but like, for the right reasons, not the same reasons Bond thought. Um, knock against it, but she so. saved his life too. Yeah, true, true, true. But all right, good pick. Uh, final. Is that yeah? That's it, right? Now we're at honorable mentions. Or uh, no, no, I mean, like, to, I mean, my last pick. make your pick. Yeah, yeah. So I, so I'm going Sean, Mister Irrelevant, Sean okay. Connery, the OG. I don't think he's as consistent as uh, Daniel Craig and. I grew up with Daniel Craig. I've said it on this podcast before. That's my favorite Bond. Doing all these rewatches here. I I did watch every single Sean Connery one and Daniel Craig ones, just to be clear. I still have Daniel Craig as my number one, but barely. I think Sean Connery made some strides on this Bond rewatch for me. He, like, diamonds are forever. Let's just forget that, by the way. We're forgetting that one. Connery is the OG, like I mentioned. And I think they are the argument I was going to make for this. If I got this pick was what you said in that, like in Dr. No girls are just looking at him and like, like in all of them, I don't have that same thing with Daniel Craig. No, you no. do not have the, the, that at all. You like, you try all eyes they, are on Connery. Like he's just the man, whatever room he walks in. It's like, Oh my God. Like it is insane. Daniel Craig, like he can fit in everywhere. Like, he like I know obviously like girls love him too. I'm just it's obviously he's James Bond for God's sakes, and he gets like the best girls obviously and whatever. But still not the same as Sean Connery. He looks the best in the white suit. That is the OG uh, James Bond. I understand that more now. Like I always knew that, but this rewatch was telling, really telling. So that's obviously my pick and Mr. Irrelevant, but he's not Mr. Irrelevant. We shouldn't say that for this one because no, Sean Connery is he's amazing. Mr. Irrelevant. Yeah. yeah. Rest in peace. Rest in peace. Uh, I'm, I pulled up Ava Green's um, IMDb. It's abysmal. It's yeah. really bad. I don't know what happened. Like I only I she was in Dumbo. I think she, she was in Euphoria. I haven't uh, seen that. No, it's a movie, not a show. Okay. Uh, she was in Sin City, a Dame to Kill, kill uh, to Kill for. She, she was, was in Three Hundred Rise of an Empire. Haven't seen that. She was in like Camelot. She was in Dark Shadows. Man, Dark Shadows. She was the bad guy in that. She really did not take advantage of. I thought she was great. I thought she was. That might have been the best act. I think that's the best acting performance from a Bond girl. Like Like, easily. Like that. Yes, has depth. It has depth. Like she's she's she was mentioned in this one for God's sakes. I I I think Madeline. No time between 
Spectre, No Time to Die. I think that was a good acting performance. Like you don't like the chemistry, but I do think it was a good acting performance. Okay, I really do. I, I I don't think she was. I think she was good. Again, I don't think anyone was bad. She's like the, she's Leah Sado. Like like she's a great actress too. I just want to pull hers up mm. really quick. Um, she's a French actress. Um, yes. Uh, Skyfall. No time to die. No. Uh. uh okay. Uh, another honorable mention for Bond girls: Skyfall, the one. Obviously, you haven't seen Skyfall. Come on now, the one that dies. Yep. She was fantastic. Good, good. Cam- basically, a cameo. That, right. That's exactly but what same Bond with Ana de Armas. Yeah, that's what Bond girls do. I wasn't gonna be recency biased and pick Ana de Armas, but yeah, no way. No, couldn't do that. Madeline was much more of a factor. I think, and the the only one on my list was uh, Brett Eklund's, um, what's her name? Man She's with the Golden French Gun. Dispatch. Wow. Um, Man with the Golden Gun Girl. Mary Goodnight. Ooh. That, yeah. When I think Bond Girls, I always think of her first. I don't know why. I think because our dad, his favorite Bond is Roger Moore, so we, those are always on in our house. And so, like, like Man with the Golden Gun, not my favorite Roger Moore, but, like, I feel like that's on a lot. Mary Goodnight. I, I just think of her as Bond girl. I don't know, like, as the Bond girl, even though, like, obviously, Man of the Golden is not the best Bond movie. I just think of her every time. So, she's good. Revenge at the End was great in that movie. Yeah. I, 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 I'm, uh, other Bond girls, man, I, I, like, none really stick. Like, they all look gorgeous, but I don't think that anyone had any great acting performances, in my opinion. And I want, like, I was going to bring up Leia Sedu. She's a frequent collaborator with uh, uh, Wes Anderson. She's in all of his movies. Yeah. She's in the Good French point. Dispatch. She's in, uh, well, she's in The Lobster as well. If you've ever seen The Lobster. Grand Budapest Hotel. Uh, she, Ghost she's Protocol. A, she's in yeah, Ghost Protocol. I, yeah, she was in Ghost Protocol. Yes. I was about to say. Midnight in Paris. Like, she's a great, she's a good actress. Oh, she is. She's, the, oh my God. Oh my God. Like, she's in Glorious Bastards. Yeah. Oh um, yeah, obviously. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. Yeah, but uh, yeah, other. No, no knock against her. Yeah, yeah. Other honorable mentions: Money Penny, Naomi Harris, as as previewed before. I thought you were gonna do it. I was close. I wanted. I wanted to, for best song. Um, it's Goldfinger. <laughs> Sorry, audience. <laughs> that's Shirley Bassey. <laughs> that's a terrible. I don't know. People like. What it, do you mean? That that one line makes it. Yeah, but it's like it sounds bad. <laughs> in my opinion, it just doesn't. It's well, like it's, it's similar- iconic. The the only other one, um, well, I had two other ones on my list, uh, other than Live and Let Die and Skyfall and Goldfinger, um, but similar to Goldfinger was uh, Thunderball, yeah. same similar vibe, like with yeah. the Thunderball. I, I can't yeah. do it. I'm not gonna. Make I just try. don't think I like. I think there are some that just aren't good. Like I, I don't think Goldfinger is a good song. Like it's the just, final it's, note, it's fun to make fun matters. of. The it's final, fun to make fun of. right? But the final note hitting on those two songs, right? Is what matters, and, and then you, no, like I was gonna say, um. No time to die is not a bad theme song. It sounds it sounded better with the credits. Similar to that as well, where like the no, there's no time to die. Like I can't not try. <laughs> yeah. But like when she says that, <laughs> when she there's says no that, time to die. Like it's not like, but that's like the only good part of the song. Similar to like the Goldfinger and Thunderball. And, and then uh, I, I will say one other song I had on my list was Duran Duran and Beauty Kill. Like that, Beauty Kill. like Duran Duran. I'm a big fan of. I wish Christopher like Walken was heck. again a Bond villain. I want him another shot as Bond. He, he was in my top five for Bond villains. Yeah, uh, I love him. I think like he was good. Like I thought he was good. Like that was, he's the only is besides Harvey before Javier Bardem, he's the only Oscar winning Bond villain. Yeah, right. Besides well, Javier Christoph, Bardem, Christoph Waltz. Oh right, obviously. Yeah, and Ryan um, Malek now. Oh, Robert okay. Shaw. <sighs> 
Didn't he win? Robert Shaw? He won for Jaws. Okay. All right. I I, <laughs> I take back everything. It's I a said prestigious there. role. It's a prestigious yes, role yes. for sure. Um, but he didn't win yet, like at the time Robert Shaw was cast. Right. I guess what I'm saying is like post Oscar win. Except for but now obviously now and Hobby of Bardem. And Hobby. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. I'll, Mads take, Mickelson also take, won an Oscar. No, he didn't. No, Mad no, just he, nominated. Just no. nominated. Was he? No, no he wasn't even not, nominated. No, no, I was thinking for uh the hunt, but he wasn't. Uh, I was thinking for uh another round you were thinking. Another round, but that yeah, no, yeah, no, no, no. Uh I also a category I was thinking about is oh, gadget. Wait, 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 villains. I still oh, have sorry, sorry, sorry. I know we're going so long. Largo and Thunderball. Thunderball is my last honorable mention for movies. I really like that movie. Largo. Majesty Secret Service? Who works for number two? <laughs> oh, yeah. Do you That's do her him. Majesty Secret Service? Where does that rank? I couldn't draft it. I didn't even put on my honorable mentions because I knew it wasn't. I couldn't, even though it's a good movie. Right. Um, um, and Sean Bean, a 006 being the villain. Very cool. That, that is cool. Um, it'd be cool if he was a villain now. Uh, yeah. Gadget after his career uh has panned out but a gadget i wanted to be as a category just because this um we also could have done cars or just like whatever miscellaneous um Mm -hmm. the gadget i liked in no time to die with the magnets i thought that was really cool cool. at the beginning with uh right infiltrating the uh the poison the 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 laboratory and then they basically had all the magnets go to the side of that 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 open elevator and they just held every people just drop people and they would just levitate that was one of the cooler gadgets i've seen in the greg franchise for sure mm-hmm. um all right that does it for the oh, bond bonds. draft wait wait bonds oh, we're gonna talk about right. the other bonds for a quick second here yes just, so all right yeah. i guess we can go roger moore i think he roger moore depending on when you grew up like you liked him a lot all right Longest, dad. the most bond villains uh bond films yes uh, I know our father grew up with Roger Moore. And it was interesting because after Roger Moore had his run with all these Bond films, who comes back? Sean Connery. <laughs> right. Right. With the Die Another Day. Wait, no, no, no. I'm sorry. What did I say? Before, no, no, that, no, that's Boston. After George Lazenby in 71, 70, oh, No, no, he came back in the 80s. Never Say Never. Oh, yeah. I'm thinking Connery came back after George Lazenby. I think he did too. Yeah. No, he definitely yeah. did. Never said yeah. that. Never I'm again. Was that 80? Like 80, after 83? Noct- it would have to be after Octopus Pussy, which was Roger Moore's last one. All right? No, A View to Kill. No, A View to Kill. A View to Kill was Roger Moore's last. Oh, so you're. No, I'm saying he, like, what? He was in Never Never Say Never. Okay. And that was in and the that 80s. That came out. That's because he looked so old. That was mid 80s. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Never say never again. Excuse me. Which because it was a big joke. Right. 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 Uh, he was doing it again. You're right. It, it You're came right, out. A beautiful kill is the Duran Duran one uh, song, and that was like '85 ish. Directed by Irvin Kershner, Star Wars director. Wow. Um, but okay, and then just real quick, George Lazenby only one film that wasn't going to be on there. Roger Moore's too old and too campy for me. Like, just couldn't do yeah. it. Dad jokes, I couldn't do it. Um, Brosnan, I do like. He's my third favorite. Um, I just think he only has one good film. That's the problem. And I think you like him ahead of Roger Moore. I just think he's more James Bondish. That's a controversial thing. I think that's a controversial thing. I think, I think obviously like if you just look up body of work, Roger Moore, but now we're just doing like, I'm, I'm, watching, I'm rewatching best. both of them now. I just don't like golden eye. I think so. It's just 
he was better as a bond and golden eye than Roger Moore was, but that could be a take. I don't know. Um, and then looking, Oh, sorry. Go. I was going to say, I'm looking at George Lazenby's um, filmography right now. Nothing really sticks out until I get to 1999 to 2000. And I see Batman beyond TV series. Oh my God. Do I rewatch that? Batman beyond the movie. Yes. That's wow. a great one. No, not return of the Joker. Just as Batman beyond the movie. Well, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and finally, T. Dalt. Two quick movies. I did. This is why I want to bring it up. He did change it. Like he, I think without T. Dalt, like we didn't have an acceptance to Daniel Craig because like T. Dalt, he kind of brought the gritty, serious tone to James Bond after doing this rewatch. Like he really did. Like he obviously still has this James Bond campy moments, but like that you saw in prior years. But like he brought that serious tone, like versus a Roger Moore. He was not as uh, like sexy as a, he had baggier suits. He had like a bomber jacket on at one point. He had a black Ashton Martin in um in uh, the in the in the Living Daylights in '87, his first one. Like he was just a grizzlier James Bond, the first one. Like I know, still not as much as Daniel Craig, but still like he walked so Dan or he crawled so Daniel Craig can take a few steps to absolutely sprint. <laughs> yeah daniel, daniel craig lapped him yeah. um but that does it for our draft for james bond to go over the teams here the draft board dr o has silva as the villain daniel craig as his bond live and let die as a song dr no for his movie and vesper for bond girl ricky flicks as skyfall for song pussy galore for bond girl from russia with love as his movie grant as bond as bond villain from, also from russia with love and then Sean Connery as his bond. Okay. That does it for the driving podcast episode 58 this week. Next week, our review will be the last duel starring Matt Damon, Ben Affleck, Jody Comer, Adam driver directed by Ridley Scott. Make sure you hit the theaters to go see it. We'll be talking about it. We'll give you the non-spoiler and spoiler. Make sure you're following us on all social media, whether it be Instagram, Twitter, at The Drive-In Pod, also on TikTok. How are you? Until next time, we will smell you. Thank you, Daniel Craig. Dev Patel, next James Bond. Here to your first. Time.